Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 260. You're probably wondering, Shane, what Game Face? I thought this was supposed to be the best of E3 2021 awards. Well, we've done a little adjusting. Uh, because we were unable to play pretty much anything from E3, uh, we've had to mix things up a little bit to stay editorially in the on the right side of the editorial line, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, we don't feel comfortable giving out our usual awards uh, without having played a lot of the games, so we're doing a little bit of tweaking uh, to how we're going to do things today. Um, E3 is over. How are you feeling, Matt, now that everything's uh, done and the dust is cleared? Okay, like the to be honest, E three was not the thing that sucked up most of my time this week. So yeah, it's uh, it's stuff a, you can't talk about, no. right? It was a busy week. Yeah, but uh, E three was kind of a break at times. Oh, interesting. Because well, all I did was come <laughs> here and babble about shit. Right, right. Yeah, you're the one that actually did the work. Yeah, I'd come in here and babble, and then it was back to the grind to mm-hmm. curate and get all the stuff up for you guys. Hope you guys are happy with the coverage that we did for E three. I feel like we milked. Pretty much everything out of the show that we could have, even maybe gone a little above and beyond by coming in here for Capcom. Yeah. <laughs> we did the best we could um, with the show. And I think you'll see today with how we kind More than can be said for Capcom. Right, yeah. Um, and I think you'll see with how we kind of wrap things up today that we pretty much covered everything. And in some cases, multiple times. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a moment when you said, like, we're doing, like, a top ten thing. And I'm like, are there ten? Are there, ten? <laughs> there are I mean, ten. There are. Yeah. There are, but I, I had to think for a second. Yeah. Uh, just so you guys know how we're going to do it is Matt and I have both selected our 10 favorite games from mm-hmm. E3 2021. We don't want to call them, like, the best, and we're not giving out any genre awards for best shooter or best platformer or yeah. best strategy this is, game. This is pretty much just, like, the games I want to play in the order I would like to play them. Based upon what we saw at E3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are going to do a couple awards after we go through our top ten, uh, but they're more like fun awards. They're not like serious editorial uh, considerations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and most importantly, they are not things you'd have to play play them to know. Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, so I think we found a way around it. I had to think about it for a bit uh, because we've been doing it in the same way for so long. It'll be nice to go back to the way things were next year. I think. Mm. But we'll talk about that. I mean, I felt pretty good not having to walk around a convention center for three days. But Yeah, I'll agree with that for sure. Like, um, my legs aren't tired. My brain is just as tired as it always is after E3, but my legs aren't beat. Like, I didn't, like, pass out at night. Like, I usually do at E3 at, like, 3 in the mm-hmm. morning with my legs, like, throbbing or whatever. So that was nice, but I'd rather have the real show back and deal with the other side effects of it than have what we had this year, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um just so you know, this is an E3 rap show. We're not talking about any games today as far as like what we've been playing or anything like that. We're going to do that on Tuesday. We will be back with another episode of Game Face at our normal day and time on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And then the following week, there will be no Game Face. Matt's going to be gone. I'm going to be gone. Um, and so you're getting one Friday. You're getting another show on Tuesday. And then we're going to miss a week of the show just to let you guys know. Don't show up here the week after. I always feel bad when 1 o'clock rolls around and we're not having a show. If I have time, I'll jump into the chat because people always just show up out of habit and let them know that we're not doing a normal show. Um, But, yeah, so we're doing a show today and then another one on Tuesday in just a handful of days, and then we'll have a week off. You guys should all be taking vacations too. This has been an insane, like, 18 months. I think everybody needs a little bit of a holiday or a break at this point. Uh, Coming off of E3, I double need a little break. So, um, 
I think people still mostly enjoyed E3, although a lot of people were pretty angry towards it for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, hmm. It is what it is. That seems to be a, a popular phrase in 2021 uh, that a lot of people say when they don't know what to say, really. Um, not that we don't know what to say, and we're going to prove that here in about 10 minutes. We have plenty to say about E3, uh, but it has been different these last couple years. Um, I am kind of proud of the industry, though, and how it's adapted and changed um, to try to make it something worth worth having and doing and participating in and watching and pontificating about. Uh, but it definitely hasn't been the same. So mm-hmm. they've already announced, the mayor of L.A. actually announced, E3 will be full in person next year. Um, it wasn't even the ESA that made the announcement. It was the mayor of Los mm-hmm. Angeles who's like, oh, no, 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 E3's happening full bore. Yeah, downtown needs the money. It does need the money. And you know all those merchants down there. Although, Matt, did you see that Nine out of ten restaurants survived the pandemic. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of takeout happening. Yeah, and I was um, tipping like I was eating in when I was getting takeout mm-hmm. to try to help out the restaurants. And I think everybody just chipping in that little bit uh, to try to help their favorite restaurants actually made a difference. Nine yeah. out of ten in Although the United my, States. My favorite restaurant did close. Oh, it did? So. Your absolute favorite? In L.A., yeah. Oh, that sucks. Uh, Hurry Curry of Tokyo on oh. Sotel closed. Yeah, it did. Yeah, that place has been there for a long time. Been there for 33 years. I can't tell you how many times I went to lunch with someone yeah. from the industry there yeah. to discuss like some exclusive program yeah. that they wanted to that do. That was a standard place to bring people because it's, it's casual. It's not, you know, but it's like also like it's real good. It was yeah. really good. And the people walked away feeling like they'd had a, a good meal, a good authentic Japanese curry meal. A lot of the curry places closest, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, they might come back. They still exist. Like, there's two other ones up in Seattle. Um, and they might come back. But like, they just hit a point, I think, uh, for, according to their Facebook, they hit a point where they just couldn't afford the the rent there. Because that, that's the strip of Sautel they're on, which is right, actually pretty close to here. Is like, well, it's also um, like three blocks from where I live. Yeah, it's yeah. like um, – prime restaurant real estate. Oh, like it's, it's insane it's, there now. It's become a, a foodie heaven When I moved place. here, that place was dead at oh, night. Oh, nothing. It was a strip mall that no and one now, gave, cared about. And it's now it's like, like one of the hottest areas yeah, on the west side. Like it's called Little Osaka now. Yeah, I know. It, it, it has you know, like a name and everything. There's like a little Tokyo over in... Uh, that's like near downtown? That's downtown, like yeah. just north of downtown. And then this became Little Osaka. And this area used to have an import game store called yep. Hyper Game where you could go in and buy games from Japan. Yeah. And they weren't gouging that much No, either. they were good. They were, yeah, they were, they were, they were, were a solid good. place. Also, um, I, I was up uh, in West Hollywood uh, Gateway for the first time in forever uh, yesterday, and I saw that the uh, West Hollywood GameStop's gone. Oh, really? The one, the one on the Brea at Santa yeah. Monica. It's been there for a it's long gone. time. Yeah, that was, that was been to a lot of launches yeah. in that place. <laughs> So I was thinking about it because that's where the the launch of um, Last of Us happened, and I went there because I had a copy pre-ordered. Mm-hmm. I went there on my way home from E3 because it was that week. Yeah. And Troy Baker was there, and I just like met him for the first time like six months earlier, and I went up to have everybody sign it, and he's like, "Why? What are you doing?" Here? Like he was, <laughs> he was, he recognized it was really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, Troy Baker doesn't re- need to remember who I am, but he yeah, always does. But he did. Yeah. Yep. Uh, a couple notes before we get going into the heart of the show today is the last day to get our brand new shirts at 40% off, our latest shirts anyway. Um, That deal ends tonight at midnight Pacific. So if you want 40% off either the black uh, sifted army shirts or the white arcade cabinet shirts, today is the last day to do that. You can get those shirts at sifted.net slash store. Um, And I had somebody reach out to me asking me how they could tip us for E3 for all the work we did during our E3 coverage. You can go to sifted.net slash donate 
and you can type in whatever amount you want, and you can pay with your credit card or PayPal or whatever, uh, and we appreciate it very, very much. Uh, and thanks for all your support also through E3. You guys were great. You showed up for all our streams. Um, like I said in the last show, some people may have missed it, but we're like right on the cusp of becoming partners on Twitch just because of our E3 coverage. Mm-hmm. Even you guys showed up for Capcom. Like we <laughs> get like post stream reports when we're done with our streams. And I expected to get that Capcom report and for it to just be rock bottom. And it wasn't. Uh, you guys even stuck around for that. So you guys have been great all week long. Uh, thank you guys so much for your support, whether it's on Patreon, whether you're hooking up Twitch Prime or you're just reviewing our podcasts on any of the podcast services that it's on, they're on. All of it makes a difference and all of it helps us. So thank you very much. Uh, let's take a quick look before we get into the show at Twitch Prime stuff. Uh, let's see. Mitch Sakor, thank you, Mitch, for Twitch Prime. Casuality, thank you for Twitch Prime. Uh, Nexus 6 Batty, thank you for Twitch Prime. And with that, it's time to get on with the show. We're going to start things off with just a general discussion about E3 because at least did up in... the ad already? What? I'm sorry? Do we do the sponsor... Oh, we did not, actually. Good call, Matt. Actually, before we get into that, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, DeShazer Ryan Realty. It's time to find out why everyone is buying homes in Montana. DeShazer Ryan Realty has a totally remodeled four-bedroom, three-bath home for sale in Libby, Montana. Nestled next to the mountains on Libby Creek, this split-level home features almost 3,300 square feet of living space. It includes a fully finished basement, a two-car garage, a barn, a shop, and much more. There's a covered back porch just off the kitchen, so you can enjoy your morning coffee the way nature intended. At $479.9, it's an absolute steal. They're selling homes as fast as they can list them. So if you're interested, do not hesitate to call Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643. Even if you don't live in Montana, you can contact the professionals at DeShazer Ryan Realty and they can help you with property in your area. For more, head to DeShazerRyanRealty.com. That's DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Also, a big thanks to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring our E3 coverage and Game Face for the entire month of June. It makes a big difference for us, so thank you very much. If you are looking for property anywhere, Hook them up, because if you work with our sponsors, the sponsors come back. So in just another way that you can help us out, you may be already looking for property. Everybody else is, Matt. Mm -hmm. It's insane right now, the real estate market. Yep. In fact, when I was talking to DeShays or Ryan Realty about this, they're like, we may only run this ad for like a week and have to switch it out because they're selling houses that fast. Even like in Montana, like Mm -hmm. everyone's trying to buy like a second home or what. It's crazy. Um, hope, hopefully none of you guys are trying to get your first home because right now you have to pay like mm-hmm. some cases like an extra like 20% over asking price yep. to get the house and then pay in all cash. Yep. Where all these rich people come from? I don't know. <laughs> How can so many people afford to do it? I don't get it either. Um, some all right. of them are probably just driving themselves straight into debt on it. Probably. Yeah, but and right now is the worst time to buy if you're trying to make money because yeah. the market is on fire. Yeah, but. it's a bad time to flip. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it either. All right. Now it's time to get into the heart of Game Phase 260. We're going to kick things off with just a general discussion on E3 2021. It seems very divisive. Uh, A lot of people on Sifted almost seem a little angry over E3 2021. Why do you think that is, Matt? Do you think it's like, is it our fault because we hype stuff up and then if it doesn't live up to their expectations, they're disappointed? I mean, 
I don't think I was hyping anything up. Um, I, I was. I'm guilty of it. Yeah, I definitely you do. Did. You you were. Uh, I, I I remain a little mystified as to why you were so disappointed by Microsoft when that was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. We had the details wrong in a bunch of places about what would be shown or this would be shown or whatever. So if you're yeah. if you're looking forward to a very specific thing, I like I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was about what I thought it would be, E3 wise. Um, you know what what was ready was shown. What they had was shown. Uh, a lot of stuff's going to slide out of it. Uh, Microsoft is further behind than we would any of us would like to believe. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. And you know, hopefully next year it'll come back bigger, bigger than than it's been. And people, you know, maybe there'll be a renewed enthusiasm for it with, among industry types because I know industry types were getting pretty tired of it yeah. uh, by the you know by 2019. And now they had a two year break on it, and maybe people will be like, "Oh, it'll be good to see everybody and kind of see all the things that we didn't see for two years." Uh, Packers party should be a, a, a oh, rager and a half. A rager. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I mean, we'll see what what kind of the response both industry wise and audience wise is next year um but yeah this was always going to be the best everyone could do yeah and i think it was i i agree i i don't know what they could have done any differently yeah like they even like had their own channel to unify all the streams so the esa Which they hadn't done before right and the esa set up a channel where you could sit there all day without having to go and jump around on youtube or twitch and you could watch everything boom 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 all right in a row kind of like what we do in all honesty yeah. Um, and they should have done that a long time ago, but they did finally do it this year. Um, I think the publishers did the best that they could do as far as fighting through COVID to develop games mm-hmm. and get them ready for the show. Um, there and were... you saw some of that reflected in the fact that so many of them were indies because indies, I think, were easier to wrangle with smaller teams right. in a COVID work-from-home situation. The transition was simpler. A lot of those games are already being developed remotely. Right. Without, right. I mean, those generally... I mean, Sable's made by two guys in a shed in North London. Right. Yeah, like I that's mean, it. Like that's yeah. literally they literally named their company Shedworks because they make it in a shed in North <laughs> London, <laughs> which is great. Um, whereas, like with you know, you're making like a Ubisoft game, you got hundreds of people all around the globe. You got to get IT, you got to get IT solutions in place for everything and all the different people's homes and VPNs and home networks and it's. Like it's I mean, I saw that with my wife's job. She works at a huge company mm-hmm. um, with 260,000 employees worldwide. And watching them struggle to adapt gave me a new appreciation for what the gaming industry was going through because mm-hmm. they don't have to share like high res assets and right. renders. Like they're literally just trying to still have their meetings with Zoom or Skype or whatever they yeah. ended up using. Like they don't have to put everything together into a software that program that works yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, they're just trying to talk to each other about yeah. their jobs and it was a struggle for them. So I get I give the industry a lot of leeway with what has happened. Um, I think that contributed to a lot of the disappointment with E three twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, and I think hopefully as this messaging kind of gets out there, people will be a little more understanding. Um, but I do fear that a lot of people may have written off E three for good based upon what happened this mm-hmm. year. At least that's kind of the sentiment that I've been seeing. That's interesting. Online. I mean, I am partially writing it off, but I've been doing that for a while. You have, yeah. Um, I I think Sony has more or less proven that it is not a necessary component of the PR cycle anymore. To be successful, Um, yeah. To be successful, yeah. Uh, We'll see. Also, just looking at this footage reminded me of another thing that I thought we might find out at E3 but didn't. we still don't know when Lego Star Wars is coming out. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. It's really weird. There has to be some kind of a licensing thing going on, or as we have mentioned before, they're trying to get the Mandalorian into the game, and they yeah, just... maybe like trying to incorporate which makes sense. The Disney like Plus you should. Stuff, it's the hottest Disney slash. But it's Star called Wars the Skywalker right Saga. It I shouldn't know. be involved, really. Well, he's. 
I don't want to spoil yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was but, eight months ago. Yeah, no. it's fair game now. Yeah, I mean but, he's in the Mandalorian. Yeah, so. it's just that's that's stretching it. I mean, it is bonus but, level, I guess. I mean, from their perspective, though, they're like, we have an in because he's actually in the show. Yeah. And it will sell way more if the Mandalorian is addressed in the game, I believe. It might. Yeah. I mean, all my nephews love the Mandalorian and my nieces. Everyone loves it. I love it. It's great. Um, and so I do think they'll sell more copies of the game if they get a segment in there. Uh, yeah, it couldn't hurt. And but I would not be surprised either. if Taking the, a long time. Yeah. I would not be surprised either if when the commercials run, the commercials focus on, like, Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And that's what they focus on more because Luke Skywalker's for people like us. <laughs> like, a lot of the young kids who love Star Wars, they don't have the same affinity for characters like Luke Skywalker like we do. Yeah, um, I mean, most of them like Luke. They like him. They like them. But, I mean, most, when I was their age, he was, like, my hero. <laughs> yeah, I was never a Luke fan. I was a Han kid. Oh, I mean, I liked yeah. them both. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like... I was obsessed with those characters as a kid. For kids coming up today, they're like, they're cool, but I like the Mandalorian, and I like Baby Yoda, and I like these other characters that have been introduced as they were growing up Mm -hmm. instead of these things that people like us are talking about, like, oh, I went to see Star Wars at the drive-in or whatever. I mean, mean, yeah, but, like, you know, Star Wars is multi-generational as a whole. You know, it's a contingent of people who grew up with the prequels. Their favorite characters are Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah. And uh, there are kids, you know, I know kids whose favorite characters are are, uh, Rey and Finn. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it'll continue. It'll continue on, and some of the you know we'll see. Those kids will grow up and realize that Rise of Skywalker is garbage, and we'll see <laughs> see what they switch over to after that. We'll, it's it's interesting. Matt, what permanent changes do you think we're going to see at E three after all of this, in light of everything that's happened, and E three losing a little bit of cachet? I mean, I would imagine that they will continue to do the unified stream channel yeah. thing. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they did some kind of thing where, like, the, one of the central focuses of one of the halls, now that they're getting emptier because, you know, EA and all those, char- those characters, all those companies are, are leaving. <laughs> they are characters, um, you be more of a central stage sort of thing, like kind of put on some kind of a show sort of thing. Like basically a little do, TGS flavor, maybe. Yeah, sort of what, what Keeley was doing before, but, like, on the floor and sort of make it a, 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 a something so that the, the non-industry attendees have something to go congregate around and watch. Because um, E3 could... Like a central hub of some kind, you know, of that nature, you know? Do you think E3 could ever do anything like what Comic-Con does with the panels, where you're going to have people waiting outside for eight hours to get into these panels? Do you think that it can apply to E3 in any way, Matt? No. Yeah, it's That's not the model, and uh, nobody wants to do that. Like, you know, part of the appeal of the panels is that you can't see them otherwise. Yeah. Like, e- Comic-Con will not allow people to stream the panels. Right. Haven't for years. Yeah. So if you want to see, you want to see the Hall H presentation for Game of Thrones, you had to be in that room. Yep. And E3's never going to do, you know, the press conferences are never going to be, you have to go to the Shriner Arena to like, or the, or the Kodak Theater or whatever to go see this. They're always going to broadcast those over around the world because they're press conferences and they they want everyone to see the games they can buy. Yeah, the publishers wouldn't do them. I mean, a lot of people have asked this question about Comic-Con. Like, why don't the movie studios want everybody to see those panels? They do, but the people right. who run Comic-Con won't allow it. And you don't We think- had that argument over and over and over with those guys. Like, yeah. they are ancient, weird grognards who will not <laughs> embrace the idea of a, of a social media streaming culture. Like, it's it's insane. And you, I don't think E the ESA has the leverage to do something like that. No, they couldn't E3. they couldn't shift that that much, but it's like, you know, and it's a it's just a misconception of like, oh, no one will care if if it's not exclusive, you have to, have to go in physically. I'm like, 
the people who want to stand out in the cold overnight to see Cal Drogo the next morning in person are still going to do that. But I am never going to do that. So if you want me to watch your stupid panel at all, you're going to have to put it on the internet. Yeah, I always thought the people who were standing out in the heat in San Diego were insane. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? But some people are so desperate to just be in the same room as certain people Mm -hmm. that they'll do anything to do it. Yeah. And remember, I think, the, remember the year when somebody got stabbed in the eye with a pen because there was a yeah, seat argument over a seat? Over a seat. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you would get in there and like you'd sit there for four panels you didn't care about until the one, the one you one did you care about came up. Yeah. Like I, I knew, knew two people who stood in line overnight for the Game of Thrones one one night dressed as uh, Danny and Cal Drogo in, in all the lack of clothing that implies. Mm-hmm. They got in line at, like, 10 p.m. They were in line overnight. They let them into the building at, like, 9 a.m., and the Game of Thrones panel was 3.30 or something like yep. that. Like, they were there for almost 24 hours. Well, you that. get to the show, Comic-Con, at, like, butt crack of dawn, mm-hmm. and there'd already be a line, like, a mile long there for people waiting yep. to get into the first panel. Like, it's insane. Like The other thing, of course, is that, like, it's... I think it's a different situation if you if you're allowing people to camp out for a line in the gaslight section of... Uh, San Diego versus downtown L.A. Yeah, you don't want people waiting outside it, it dark. Yeah. in downtown L.A. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't camp out overnight there. No, uh, definitely not. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, downtown L.A. is kind of the gritty area of yeah. Los Angeles. It's not like South Central or Compton. It's not like that. But yeah. there's neither this, is South Central or Compton anymore. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're actually a lot better than they like used the, to. The be. image of, the, of a lot of that is trapped in like 1991. With Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like that anymore. It's, That's because a lot of people have moved in and, like, redone, yeah. bought houses because it's the only place they can afford to buy a house. Yeah. And then Demographics have shifted a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's gentrification. Let's some gentrification. Also, just, like, you know, like, a lot of that, those areas are no longer, you know, huge gang strongholds. Right, yeah. Because they grew up. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a different world there. Yeah, um, and it's like downtown at night is not. But downtown the is a lot more spot. random. Like it's like that's the thing. It's like it's like you go. You know, I've been down. You know, down South Central and places like that mm-hmm. during the. You know, particularly during the day, it's fine. It is it's, fine. It's yeah. completely fine. Like, yep. but like go to downtown. Downtown is full of a lot more weird shit. That's because it's, it's drugs. Uh, drugs. There's a lot of people on heroin walking around it's in the a, streets. It's a it's a much more desperate. It is. Area. That's where Skid Row is as yeah, well. Yeah, Skid Row, uh, which used Skid to be Row. closer to the convention center, but they kept pushing it east. Yeah. It's still um, pretty close, though. Still pretty close. I do not but, recommend going on a tourist visit to see Skid Row, however, if you come yeah, to I mean, There's a lot more walkable areas downtown. I mean, certainly it's it's night and day from when we started going 20 years ago. Yeah. But it's still there's still areas where it's just like, hey, is that car on fire over <laughs> there? You know, it's like, it's just it's just how it is. Um, and, like, I that and of course, if, if the Lakers won... Forget it. Oh yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Well, it'd be fun, but complete mania. That's uh, that. I mean, I was there for that one. The one time they won during E three. Yeah, during E three, and I, we were in uh, we, were, we were in Coles, which is like one of the one of the places downtown that fights with Philippe's over who invented the French. Dip. Right, right. And they're both really good. We finished uh, we finished dinner, and we're it was we used to do a dinner for X players. Like we'd invite our favorite developer people, and we'd all hang out. And we're about to leave. We turn around, and like there's just people running up and down the street. Like there's a car overturned over yeah. here. Why don't, we, why don't we just go back to the bar for a while? So we just hung out in there for like till like two in the morning, yeah. and then I had to walk back. I walked back, and like my car was locked in the in the garage at E three at the convention center, and I had to like basically break into the 
the uh, parking garage and get get my car get out. Get your car out. Wow. Now, uh, the, uh, the gate opens automatically when yeah. it senses the car, but I had to get in the building to get to my car. Right, right. You'd say I had to jump a turnstile or two, maybe. I, I, yeah, it was it was it was a uh, there was some climbing, but. Um, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, it was fun. I remember Abby stood out. Abby didn't even come with me. She's like, you're not getting in there. I'm just going to wait here until you give up. And And you did it. And I drove out in the car. She's like, all right, fine. I'm impressed. Now, Matt, when E3 goes back to in person. that's the shit I remember about E3. Who cares about the New Zelda game? I was the New Zelda game. Now, when E3 goes back to an in-person event next year, do you expect more or less publishers to be involved than what we saw in 2019? Um, I think it's going to be fewer. Fewer? Yeah. Any targets that you think might not return? Um, I am kind of waiting for... Um, My guess is Activision. Yeah, well, Activision's barely there to begin with. They were there in 2019, They though. were there, but did they have a, they didn't have a booth or anything. They did, Like yeah. a little meeting thing? They had a little meeting thing, and then... To your point, they did have like a whole big section in the PlayStation booth. For right, Call they, of Duty. they kind of teamed up with other 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 people. publishers. Yeah, they they did the remote. So I wouldn't thing. be surprised if they're absent. I'm kind of waiting for Sega to finally decide that it's not worth their money to yeah. set that booth up every year. Because for them, it actually may not be worth the money. Yeah, exactly. They're not exactly swimming um, in money. And right I'm now. kind of I'm kind of waiting for Warner Brothers to do the same. Yeah. Especially after the merger and all of whatever, they might not even be in a position yet organizationally to be part of it. Are you surprised year. that the Japanese publishers haven't been the ones to like bail? Because look, think about the logistics for them. Yeah, they're trying to operate from across the Pacific, and they have to get all their stuff shipped over and built. And yeah. I mean, most of that stuff stored here. Um, Oh, for you know, that's the other thing is like paying storage costs for all that stuff every year. Yeah. It's usually the same booth components for the most part, with like yeah. different you know decorations for each game. Um, you know, but Konami already has checked out, obviously, because they don't really do anything anymore. Yeah, uh, Square has used the same booth layout for like six years. Well, no, um, they had that weird Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, but they like, just they, dome thing last time. Well, yeah, but they just repurposed that into Final Fantasy VII the following. The, the did year. they? Yeah, they did that. They, that's the same structure uh, they've used. They just a few repainted times. or whatever. Yeah, it's always like this weird gray angular thing with a little dome over it. Yeah. Um, but they just use it for different things. Slap Capcom another logo always builds a new booth. Capcom usually does. I mean, Capcom. I thought about saying might back out, but Capcom seems to value the in-person stuff yeah. there. Like their their stage We're show their is pretty right big. Now, actually, <laughs> uh, with all the fighting game tournaments yeah. and like other. So like they seem to value that. So I think they would probably stick around um especially certainly as long as they're still pouring money in the capcom pro tour which is sort of the centerpiece of their yeah it's always that one corner there. of their booth is just competitive yeah. street fighter usually which i'm fine with because i like that yeah yeah of course but, um yeah i mean i guess that's kind of what i would th- and then you got all the various you know weird you know like that uh for a long time the what was i can't remember wargaming.net yeah. was like a big you know huge booth world of warships they had, yeah world of, and, world and of tanks was that. in that spot for a while they used they to left. come they used to come by because they were behind when they first started going to e3 they were behind g4's booth so they're in the background of almost all of our reverse shots yeah and at the end of the of, of the first the second year that, that happened the, the they came by on the last day and gave us all a bunch of remote controlled tank toys to thank us for like the free exposure basically because yeah. they were they were basically people were seeing uh, wargaming and they were like we've seen like spikes in traffic on our website whenever like we're on camera basically yeah. so yeah, it, it was like yeah it mattered um so yeah, I think I I don't remember if they still go in, in in such force, but I do I certainly have seen them over and over. Is there anything E3 can do to stave off 
what a lot of people feel is the inevitable, which is it no. ultimately going away. No, this battle was lost years ago. It's just it's just a slow fade. Uh, you can't put social media and and ease of access to the consumer back in the bottle. Like, yeah, but why do other conventions? Persist because other conventions are not industry conventions. They are fan organized conventions. They are for people to. They, I mean, they're so trying. Think to, the same thing is going to happen with Gamescom. Uh, it might. Like, but Gamescom is also Gamescom is more of a Comic Con vibe to it. Well, like they let tons of fans in. Yeah, and it always has been. Yeah. And there's stuff for them to do, and it's kind of built for that. E3 you think is it's too late to e- do that with E3. I don't think it necessarily is, but I don't think the ESA has the the chops for it. Like yeah. they don't they don't seem capable of redesigning this thing to be a fan focused convention. Um, there are some who would argue that you shouldn't try to do that because it's you know business expo first and foremost. Um, but you could revamp it into something that's more consumer or or, or attendee focused. Um, but I think you would a lose the industry kind of elite doing that because no one's going to want to walk the floor. You know, I already know tons of, you know, luminary quote unquote types uh, who don't leave the Marriott. Yeah. You know, like they They do all their business over there and drink and yeah, all the biz dev stuff is done in the Marriott lobby or in hotel rooms over there. Uh, I know multiple people who are like kind of people that you would think of as like, Oh, I hope I run into them at E3. If you were going, it's just a regular attendee. They never left. They're they're across the street the whole time. They wouldn't set, set foot on that floor again. Yeah. You know, they used to, but now that it's not just industry and you don't know who you're running into, they don't want to deal with it. Yep. So you could turn it into like more of a convention thing, but then you're, you're, you're kind of leaving the publishers wondering why they're doing that when they're about – a lot of them are going to take the same content to Comic-Con in like a month. Yep. So what's it even here for? I mean, the proximity of E3 to Gamescom is a yeah, The problem was that uh, – you know, the problem is that E3 – used to be itself. Like, there was nothing else like E3. No competition. It was a singular yeah. event. There was ECTS in yeah. Europe, which was very small. Right. And the thing that, and TGS, which is a different deal, but, like, mm-hmm. sort of, sort of, a little bit. But which e- has also become but irrelevant. But the, the point of E3, yeah. But the point of E3 was, like, for the public, not just, you know, the, the business deals are always going to be a part of the thing and, and the reason it, it, it originally existed in the first place. But, like... The, the spectacle was like it's the only time you can see all this stuff. It's the only time you can get your hands on it. It's the only time you can, can you know get the news all in one place. And now it's like these companies can put these out whenever they want. Like you know, look at the you got a demo of Sable and a demo of Final Fantasy Origins. Like, it's already up there. Like yeah, you don't need to go here. No one needs to go here and report back to you from it. You can just do it yourself. You can see it on Twitch. You can see it on YouTube. You can see whatever you need to see uh, very easily. Um, and like trying to con- to convert it into sort of a standard fan convention thing for the money and the income and the and the and the to re- to remain relevant, I guess. the convention industry has already sprung up around these sort of events, and they already do that. Like yeah. we don't need a gaming convention in June. Well, I think E three can provide access that the fan driven stuff won't have. Except I have a hard time thinking of when that what that is because you can play a lot of the same demos at Gamescom and Comic Con. Like yeah. Later on, like in packs, like it's. Like, I mean, Comic Con's gaming section's pretty small still. Yeah, but it's a lot of the stuff is the same. Nintendo, yeah. Nintendo brings a lot of the same stuff. Capcom brings a lot of the same stuff. Sega brings a lot of the same stuff. I mean, it's not as big as it used to be, but like, you know, it's it's not like you're super missing out anymore. Um, and Gamescom, of course, is on the other side of the planet, but like, it's still you have that access in any indie stuff you're interested in, and some stuff even more mainstream is going to show up at packs or equivalent places, like. Turning E3 into that doesn't make a lot of sense because there's other already other conventions that do that job better. 
Uh, and as for the access, like, you know, except for the people that really are burning to wait in a three-hour line to see the new Zelda or whatever, like, there's not a lot of appeal there to spend thousands of dollars to come stay in the worst part of Los Angeles for yeah. four days and stand in line for for all that time. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't see the appeal beyond. Yeah, it's like, how much do people really want swag? Right, free swag. and there isn't really, That's really a lot what it of comes that. down to <laughs> the swag. The swag, by the way, I, mean, I know this is this is old man yelling at Cloud, but it's like the swag when I was in my twenties was good it was, shit. Yeah. Like I got a free wave bird at E3 right. at one point. Yeah. Like now you're lucky if you get a bag. Well, that's what they generally give out are those free paper bags, yeah. basically, and people fight over them because yeah. that's all there is. Yeah, there's nothing else. Because <laughs> people aren't giving other. Like stuff if someone away. says the word T-shirt through a microphone, all of a sudden there's a oh, it's swarm. Like a mosh pit. Like it's it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, and I get like the the appeal if you've never been and you've know, heard of E3 your whole life, and I feel sorry for people that do that because you're not really getting E3. You're getting some weird, uh, yeah. broke down version of it that is sort of limping through the modern world now. It's not what it was in the in the late '90s and the early 2000s. But like, um, I feel like if I were in that position, I would go once and be like, okay, I've done it. I don't really, I, you know. I feel like if you're going back over and over again, it's pro- there's probably more of a social aspect. You are probably you've probably met some people or you have friends who go and you all want to see each other in the same place every year, which I identify with because that's also why I go yeah. now. That's so, a big a big impetus for me to go is to just to reconnect with people that I've yeah. known for a really long time. And everyone's so busy; it's really the only chance you have yeah. to, where sh- you will know you will see people. The last like four years or so, I'd say the show floor is kind of an afterthought to me. Yeah, I mean, I still go and like tear it up and. Try to play everything, and, sh- well, and obviously all the B-roll we've been watching. This is me shooting yeah. all this stuff, so I, 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 I can. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out of my way to wait an hour to play something. Oh, I wouldn't either. Do that. I mean, we're lucky that you know we know people that will yeah. jump us in line, and sometimes, stuff like that. yeah, sometimes not. For the most part, I can usually jump lines. I, if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to get half of the stuff done that I need to get done at the show. So there is still some advantage to being press at E3, but not a lot. Not like there used to be. That's for sure. No. Nope. Um, so. You don't think that changing it to a fan-based event um, will revive it or help it. How many more years do you think it exists? I mean, I think it's going to limp along for a while yet. Um, Another five years, yeah. six years? Yeah, maybe, maybe by the end of the decade they'll finally throw in, throw in the towel. Okay. Um, it kind of depends if there's a replacement for the ESA that comes along. Right. You know? yeah. Or we'll see what Jeff Keeley's you know, – Keeley's clearly got some kind of a scheme here. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what, what he's doing and what that becomes. Because uh, the other thing I would argue is that with minimal effort as a piggyback on his summer games uh, celebration, fest, fest or whatever, or whatever um, Keeling knows better. Jeff knows better how to build a fan-centric event than ESA does. Yeah. And he might just beat them to the punch to the point that there's no reason to even try anymore. I also know the ESA would take Jeff Keeley back in a heartbeat. Of course they would. Yeah. Despite like all the stuff he's tweeted over the last month and the things that he said and breaking away from E3 and all that. They would still take him yeah, back. I kind of want to overinflate like his importance, that. but I don't know if they have anyone in house that could do what he can do they don't. for them. You know, they don't. Yeah, I mean, they're not built for that though. No, they're a lobbying organization. They lobby the government for yeah. legislation that's favorable to the gaming industry. And at this point, like they don't have event planners. And like, like they, like they said in Alien versus the Alien versus Predator comic, never align yourself with a loser. Yeah. And Keeley, I think, smells it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we gave letter grades to every press conference that we did. We have yet to give a letter grade to E3 2021 as a whole. Matt, what is your letter grade for the entire show? I'll probably give it like a D plus. Ooh, that's your first D. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the press conference stuff was fine, but overall, like it was it was nothing there. Honestly, if I wasn't doing this show, this show with you, 
Like this, I probably wouldn't even have noticed. Right. Like I had other things going on. It was on a weekend of yeah, all yeah. things. Um, there I wasn't much national coverage of no, the show not at, at all. all. Yeah. I would have noticed like you know, I would have noticed a Metroid game was announced and stuff like that. But like in general, like you know, I would have probably watched the Microsoft thing and the Nintendo Direct and called it a week. And the truth is, there was no national newsworthy news coming out of the show. Mm-hmm. If a new Switch had been announced, I think that might have been reported on. But if you're just yeah. showing, like, yeah. a new trailer for some game, that's not going to make it onto, like, no. the major news networks. Or the, the hardware is shows. what gets you into Bloomberg. I mean, now I guess it w- wouldn't be because Shire's there. Right. But before. Before, before that, it was you, you had to be doing something that was going to impact the business at the retail space, and yep. that is almost always hardware. Yep. Um, and that was a disappointment that we didn't get to see the new Switch. But I don't know. It's almost like I feel better with the show not getting national exposure if this is the way it's going to be because I don't want the reports to be like the once powerful E3 blah 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 has turned into mm-hmm. a collection of Zoom calls because you know that's how they report it. Um, so maybe it's better that mm-hmm. it didn't hit the national news and it could come back next year full throat hopefully. Full uh, throat it, without Microsoft or Sony or EA or I mean yeah. it's, it's it's look it's a ghost town already. It's, yeah. it's, it's The lack of Sony is like you cannot get around the ele- that Well, they're the industry the leader. There's no way to sugarcoat yeah. it. Sony not being there. And like, they don't need it. The ESA... And I'll be honest, Nintendo doesn't need it either. Yeah. Nintendo's so fan-centric, though, that mm-hmm. I think not having... I think Nintendo likes having those lines. Yeah, I think for they do like that, having that there. I, they, I think they care about the relationship between their company and the fans more than, in all honesty, definitely more than Sony. Microsoft, I think Microsoft does pretty good fan outreach, mm-hmm. but I think of the three, Nintendo is the one that's most concerned about connecting with fans. And so, if I were to guess, I would say Nintendo would be the last of the big e- big three to leave E3. Mm-hmm. Um, my grade, I never gave anything above a C plus, or did no? I gave a B minus to Nintendo, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my. Yeah, well, I think we both grade. gave that a B minus. Yeah. B- I gave it a B plus. You gave it a B minus. B minus. That's right. Um, so there's no way the show's getting a B. Um, I honestly feel like I have to go C minus because if I'm looking at this E3 compared to other E3s and I've been to like 20 of them, this is not, even though I feel like they did a good job and I commend them for pulling off the show as well as they did under the circumstances. I think this was your 23rd. I went to Atlanta was Mm -hmm. the first one. That was 97, I believe. Yeah. I'm in 98. Was it 98? I think. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Holy crap, dude. So I've been to a lot of E3s, and uh, when I compare this one to the others, it's at the bottom, right. honestly. Well, yeah, we, we, we didn't go yeah. to anything, right. really, unless you count this place. And if you consider C average, um, I feel like I'm being a little generous giving yeah. it to C minus, This is definitely honestly. below average. Yeah, no doubt about it. So you're right. Maybe your D plus is more accurate. Um, I have problems giving the D plus because I didn't give a D to anything. I mean, it, it, the the E3 is more than just those press pr- it is. presentations. Yeah, it's a, more than just the sum of the press conferences, for sure. And I think as we start talking a little bit more about the games that were at E3, you'll start to understand where our ratings are coming from, because I think at first blush, it seems like there's a lot, but when you really start drilling down on it, there weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt said off the top of the show, we're both doing top 10s, our favorite 10 games from E3, and we are counting them down in order. But once you get past that 10, it starts to get pretty slim. Like, there just weren't that many big-budget games shown at E3 2021. Yeah. There just weren't. Um, and with that, we'll move on. And not all of these are big-budget games. Right. Yeah, so a lot of, some of them aren't. And with that, we're going to move on to our top 10 picks for E3 2021. Again, these are in order, 
So we'll start at 10, and we'll count down to the game that we're most excited about based upon what we saw at E3. Uh, Matt, you're going to kick things off. What mm-hmm. is your number 10 game from E3 2021? My number 10 is Advance Wars Reboot Camp 1 and 2, or Advance Wars 1 and 2 plus 2 Reboot Camp, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> um there's not much to this, really. I just I liked Advance Wars a lot, um, and I missed it. That we got kind of it's kind of disappeared yep. uh, for a while, and uh, I'm glad to see it back. And I will totally play this. Yeah, I'm excited for it too. Um, just spoiler: it did not make my top ten mm-hmm. because it is a remake of yeah an old game, all two old games. Honestly, um, I try to give as much love as I can to new products instead of kind of rewarding remakes or re. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll reward the return of something that they've weirdly neglected for a long time. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm really excited for thing, it. This but, will uh, end up staying in my Switch f- and on my Switch for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be the game that I play on my Switch when I travel for probably like the next year after I get it. It's just perfect for handheld. There's a reason why it was so successful yeah, on Nintendo's handhelds uh, in the past. I played all these those two games I played almost exclusively on planes. Yep. Yep. And you're not alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're great for that. Um, my pick for number 10, and this is one game we have a huge disparity on. My pick for number 10 is Forza Horizon 5. Um, I love Forza. It's Every year it comes out, it's my driving game of the year. Every year it comes out, I consider it even for game of the year because it's generally one of the best crafted games every time it comes out. But I will say this. I did not see, other than the mind-blowing visuals, and don't get me wrong, this is the best, probably the best-looking game at E3 21. Other than that, I did not see a whole lot about the game that felt different or innovative. There's a new setting. It's taking place in Mexico, and organically, (laughs) that will bring some new elements to the franchise. But even after the trailer, after they showed us a huge chunk of gameplay, I still kind of struggled to see any major changes or innovation um, in the franchise from this entry. And again, don't get me wrong, I know I'm going to love this game. I know I'm going to tell you guys all to buy it. And if you haven't bought a Forza Horizon by now... You should buy this one when it comes out. Um, they are literally the best driving games on the market right now, in my in my estimation. Um, I also like that you know they appeal to people who like sim elements. They appeal to people who like arcade driving games. It's just the best driving franchise in the industry right now. Um, and so I know it'll be in a lot of discussions when it comes out um, at the end of the year and we start talking about game of the year stuff. It's going to be there. Um, but for me, the best I could put it is at number 10, uh, maybe if we learn more information about the game, uh, I'll consider bumping it up a little bit over the other games that I saw. But based upon a C3 showing, uh, it comes in at number 10 for me. Okay, Matt, what is your number nine game? Uh, number nine is Far Cry 6. Yep. Um, kind of for similar reasons that you just listed for Forza in that like this seems like a really known quantity mm-hmm. to me gameplay wise. Yep. Um I do like the setting. I like that uh Esposito's in it. Um like I'm interested in that element. I always like a Far Cry game. Uh you know, I'm always happy to play Far Cry in whatever form they give it to me. You know, it's just a matter of degrees of how much I like it one or the other. Yeah. Uh, I like the villain DLC they sh- they showed. It's what we're um, seeing right now. It's yep. all cool. Um it's just one of those things where it's like um if I'm ranking all these games by how excited I am to play them, this Far Cry 6 just falls a little low because I kind of feel like I already know what's going to happen. 
Yeah. Um, it's just sort of a – it's almost uh, – you know, there's new stuff in it. There's the, the urban warfare and there's the the expansion of the, the, the animal companions and the, the more stealth stuff where you can fake your way into stuff rather than just, like, sneaking around and hit, hitting people in the face with a bow. Um, Being able to hold their weapon can change yeah. the whole game. So there there's, actually is some – There is new stuff yeah. in here. It's just – it's Far Cry. It it's is. Far Cry in Cuba. You're like, going to be shooting a lot yeah. of animals, a lot of people out in the wild. Yeah. And... It's like, I'm going to be killing four, five turkeys to make a bag to hold more grenades. <laughs> like I know I know what we're doing here. Yeah. I've been here yep. before. Crafting weapons. Crafting weapons and, and stuff. You know, I yeah. get it. But like, you know, that's all going to be fun. It's just, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not super exciting. You yeah. know, it, it's, it's just more Far Cry. But more Far Cry is better than more a lot of things. That's so. true. Yep. Um, okay. My next pick, which is my ninth pick. Is a game that Matt doesn't have on his list at all. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I won't. I'm not going to say I'm surprised that you don't have it on your mm-hmm. list, but you do not. And that battle, that game is Battlefield 2042. Matt, this is one of those games. I saw like the initial trailer for it. I thought it looked cool. The more I dug into it, the more I dug it. This game is insane, Matt. Mm-hmm. It is literally insane. Um, it doesn't feel like a Battlefield to me. I mean, it still has the tenets of the franchise. You know. Ton, like 128 players on each map, 64 versus 64, tons of vehicles. The maps are gigantic, but it is introducing a ton of new elements. And I know a lot of people like wingsuits and things like that. A lot of new traversal options are in the game. I know a lot of people are banging on this and they're like, because there's no campaign in the game. The campaigns in Battlefield have always sucked. That is literally... I am actually happy that there's no campaign in the new Battlefield because that means that I don't have to play it to talk about it on Game Face. Like, I I feel like we've all given Battlefield way too many chances to come up with a compelling campaign. It has never managed to do it. Do you remember a single Battlefield campaign other than, like, Bad Company 2? Yeah, just the Bad Companies. Yeah. Otherwise, the campaigns have been trash. I like the ideas. I like what they tried to do with like Battlefield One and oh yeah, uh, where they uh, had like the stories, the stories, or different yeah. stories where you jump around the war and tell. I mean, I like that. Uh, I like the idea. I like the idea, but those there, none of them were good. Yeah, the execution really. is always lacking. Um, so I like the idea that they're just focusing a thousand, focusing a thousand percent on the multiplayer in this. It is the franchise's strong suit. It's what it should be doing. Do I like that it's going to sell for 70 bucks? No. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a bad idea, and I don't think that's very consumer-friendly. But I will say this. This multiplayer looks different. Like, look at these vehicles. What is that thing even called? Like, What, the hovercraft thing? Yeah, that crazy ice vehicle hover whatever it is. I think it's a hovercraft. Yeah. Um, if you watch this trailer, there's the cuts are so quick. Uh, if you watch this a couple times, you'll start picking up on different stuff every single time. There's the whole weather angle to it, the crazy tornadoes that literally will suck your helicopter into them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of verticality in this one because of all the traversal options, uh, because it does take place in a lot of urban environments. Uh, the more I checked this game out, the more I was impressed with it. And I am a big shooter guy, and I realize people who don't like shooters probably won't care no matter what they add to it. But as someone who does appreciate a good shooter... I am excited for Battlefield 2042, and so it comes in at the ninth slot for me. Yeah, I will probably, I mean, I guess it, I guess it's probably going to be a Game Pass because it's EA does yep. as the deal with guaranteed them. it's going to be Game Pass. So I'll probably, I guess I'll play it that way. Yeah, I will say though, like I mean, I agree that like cutting the campaign out makes sense because um, they've never done one really that was worthwhile. So why bother wasting your time and, and resources? Uh, yeah. And our time right. on it. Yeah. Um, but if you were to do a review of this for Sifted, it would still get a zero in story. It would, absolutely. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but that doesn't mean that 
I don't understand how that has any effect on whether I want to play it or not. Or, right, but I mean, like you, you're, you're saying it's, it's better that they're not doing that, but in the end, it's going to hurt them. Well, the yeah, review. of course, yeah. I, I, but I don't understand what the rub there is, really, though. I'm rehammering my continual point that penalizing something for not choosing to do something is an error in judgment. But I don't agree. I don't agree with your stance on that in the sense that, like, if you are going to do something poorly and decide not to have a poor element in your game, getting penalized for not even trying to put that element in the game is strange. But you're me. assuming that it's going to be bad. Like it will. It's Battlefield. But it, what if they have a different studio work on the campaign and they outsource it and it's they not have. done by dice? It doesn't work. But it could work. There is a, there could be a studio out there that could make a great campaign. So what happens when that game comes out with a great campaign finally and it gets the same score? Well, by that you can't reward it for being right, a better game. But by game. that logic, I'm gonna give Forza Horizon a zero for shooting because you could have put machine guns on the cars, but you didn't. No, that's not a part of our eval process. Well, maybe it should be. Guns or it makes, not guns. It makes just as much sense as <laughs> what you just said. Okay. I promise you. Well, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Um, okay, we are at number eight, and this is actually one where we found ourselves putting the same game mm-hmm. at the same spot, and we have the same game for number eight, and that game is Guardians, Guardians of, of the, the Galaxy. Galaxy. I It just seemed to just slot Yeah, this just felt like where it there. goes, didn't it? It's just like, yeah, I'm cool, cool. They're trying to uh, – this is the right way to do it about this. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to play it. It's about an eight. About, yeah. about an eight. It feels... Yeah. Because I am really excited for it. This was like one of the easiest slots to put a game <laughs> it was. in. For the, for we it was felt like, the same way, done. apparently. Um, <laughs> right there. Yeah. Because I am really excited about it, but I'm really excited about it more for the IP than what I actually saw of the game. Um, but I also wanted to... I didn't want it at 10 because they showed a lot of it. And a lot, and that actually played in heavily into mm-hmm. how I ranked a lot of these was how much did they show us? If it was just a trailer. So if I had two games where I felt kind of the same about and one we only got a trailer for and the other one we got a trailer and some gameplay, then I would generally give the nod to the game that actually showed us the game being played. Um, I don't know if that's crazy or not, but that's kind of how I did a lot of my rankings for this stuff. And this game, they showed us an awesome trailer and then they showed us a huge chunk of raw gameplay of the game actually being played. And that didn't seem to help Gotham Knights all yeah. that much because yeah. we got that when they debuted that as well um, but being able to see the game being played knowing that it's there it's built and the trailer isn't just a bunch of, a bunch of smoke and mirrors that helped the game get above kind of like the 10 area for me now I will say this I'm not saying I don't have any concerns about the gameplay in this I haven't mm-hmm. played it which is why we're not doing our awards this year like we normally do them but just watching some of the footage some of the, and it was funny kind of jumping around the internet I wasn't the only one who thought that the gameplay looked a little eh, just from watching the trailers. So there's something in there that's kind of throwing up flags for people, and it definitely threw it up for me. Um, but there's plenty of time for them to tweak stuff, and maybe when you play it, it actually does feel good. Who knows? Um, but yeah, based on the IP, Studio has a pretty good pedigree. I'm pretty confident they're going to make a good game. They made the Deus Ex games, um, which were great, in all honesty. Um, so I think the pedigree's there, and that's why it ended up at 8 for me. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, about the same. Like, I, I definitely see the the questionable elements of the gameplay in places. Um, I have a I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to be another one of those games where it doesn't feel very impactful or satisfying to hit things. Right. Yeah, that's what um, I'm seeing too. But I like the property, and I like the you know a new spin on it. It's a single player you know action adventure yeah. game instead of trying is, to make it a game yeah, as a service. Is much more like what the Marvel games really should be. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, it's an interesting blend of the comic versions of the characters and the film versions to sort of kind of create sort of a synthesis of what what you know you expect as a fan of each thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, it seems to capture the tone well. And yeah. you know, who who would have ever thought we'd get like a big budget triple A action game based on the cosmic Marvel stuff? Yeah, like it's it's ridiculous. What a world! What a time to be alive! Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome though. Um, I love that IP, and I had never even really heard of it before I heard about the film for the first time. I didn't no. wasn't even aware of the, Guardians of was characters. an extreme. I mean, I had to look up what it was. Yeah, and, and and even if you did look up what it was at the time it was announced, it wouldn't have necessarily helped you because it was all these different versions of things. You know, the, yep. Look up the original version of Yandu, the character, you know, his his foster dad in the movies. In mm-hmm. uh, look up the original character of Yandu in the comics, very different. Hmm. He's basically an elf, like he's a space elf <laughs> wow. with a giant mohawk. I'm guessing nobody really complained when they. Uh... No, no. They, they, I mean, he still he still has powers like, over arrows. Cool. Like the arrow thing is still part a of thing. him. thing, but yeah. like uh, in the second Guardians, where he gets the bigger mohawk controller for the era like that's a reference to his old the okay. comics old mohawk okay um he was blue though in the comic. um yeah so it's uh it's fun. And i don't know the cosmic stuff as well like the cosmic marvel stuff was never my forte um all that stuff is very weird and complicated and you're about to get another shot of it from uh eternals at the end of the year mm-hmm. uh which i'm very interested in because it's it, eternals is some bat shit stuff like if you were going to pick a co- property that I would say don't ever touch that for a movie, Eternals would be, like, number one oh, in Marvel's stable. Oh, that's encouraging. I like to hear that. Um, but apparently Chloe, Z- Chloe Zhao, uh, Oscar winner for Best Director uh, for Nomadland, came to them and was like, I have an idea for this Eternals thing. And they're like, do it. And so she did. Wow. It. Like, internally, Marvel Studios believes they may have. people ha- said no- Nomadland is, like, the most depressing movie right. of the last two decades. But internally, m- no, uh, internally, Marvel Studios believes they may have another Best Picture nominee on their hand. Wow. Which is why, if you notice, uh, the original uh, release lineup was supposed to be Black Widow in 2020, yep. at the beginning of 2020, and then um, Eternals in November. And then they delayed everything, obviously, because of the pandemic uh, and moved every. So now we're getting like nine Marvel movies in the space of a year when after Black Widow comes out. But notice this. All the other movies kept their release order except Eternals. Eternals still got just got pushed a year to the next November. Instead of because November, because November is where you put your Oscar bait out. Right. Yeah. They think they got something okay. with this thing. That's so, encouraging to hear. We'll see. Well, hopefully they got something with this game as well. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to get a Best Picture <laughs> nomination. but uh, It's coming out soon. It I at mean, least, ish. Af- after my uh, my cynicism that has been created by what Avengers turned out to be, the fact that they can get me even marginally interested in this yeah. is, is a sign that they're they're doing something right. Or at least, at least Montreal had a better idea, I guess. Yeah. There's definitely some janky looking stuff in. This oh yeah, game. Like, yeah. <laughs> watching the combat and watching him like unfreeze someone by like click clanking his gun yeah, on it, the. <laughs> it doesn't like. I'm not gonna say I'm not occasionally reminded of Avengers. Yeah. In how the I'd combat agree with that works. Too. Like there's yeah. a. Li- it, it might be a similar thing. It might be built on the back of the same thing. But what I hated but... the most about Avengers is not in this. So right. I'm like, encouraged. Like by I mostly enjoyed the combat in Avengers. Yeah, me too. So yep. Um, okay, it's time to move on to number seven, and we do have different picks for mm-hmm. our number seven slot. Matt, what is your pick for the seventh game of E3? Uh, this is the only game on my list I did play, uh, which is Sable, um, which has a demo. Uh, the same demo they showed uh, at the um, the Summer Games Fest is uh, 
Was it Summer Games Fest? Or just, they just released it. They just released yeah, they, the demo. Yeah, they put the demo out. It's on Xbox. They, they, Is it on everything else, too? I don't know. I played it on Xbox. I Me didn't too. look for it on anything yeah. else. Um, and we're going to talk they put about out, this they game put on out Tuesday a, as well. They put out a developer dem- walkthrough of this demo like bef- like early in, in the E3, three, maybe a little bit before. But, yeah, now they put the, the same demo is up on Xbox. You can just download it and play it. Um, and I really like it. And I, we'll uh, talk, we're going to talk in depth about this game on Tuesday after both of us have had a chance to mm-hmm. spend some time with the demo. I mean, I've had a, my eye on this just because I'm a big fan of like French science, fi- science fiction, science uh, you know, space opera, comic stuff, uh, Mobius, uh, artist, the artist Mobius, stuff like that. Um, all this, you know, there's there's some Nausicaa in this. There's some there's a lot of stuff going on here that's all the same. This you know, heavy metal magazine in places, mm-hmm. which is also Mo- Mobius did a lot of that. Um, this is like. You you kind of made this for me, in a way. Like it's, it's so, and I and so far what I've played, I really liked. So. I haven't touched it yet. What it, genre is it? Open world exploration, puzzle solving, speeder bike riding. Is it survival stuff at no. all? No, it's um, like I guess the closest thing I'd call it is sort of eco ish. Okay. Um, except with you've got a bike and there hasn't really been combat really. Um, it's just been finding stuff and putting a bike together so far. I haven't, uh, gone any further in it, uh, other than gathering the parts of the bike, but, um, which is there. Uh, but it's just sort of like you're in a world and it's, it's very pleasant. Um, there's some, you know, branching dialogue trees, which don't really affect anything, but give you, give you a chance to give, give the sable, the main character, some personality. Do you just like kind of stumble across what you're supposed to be doing? No, they, it's interesting. It's, um, it's not very guided. Uh, like when they tell you, you need to get three, when you, you have to, they tell you, you have to get three parts to put your, your real bike together. You got, you got kind of a, a, Stand ju- in. a like a junker, yeah. uh, at the beginning and to get a real one to take you out of the little village you're in, you have to find three parts. And the person who gives you the uh, the quest tells you the three parts and suggests places you might find those parts, but it doesn't mark them on your map, and it doesn't keep a record of what places they told you they might be. Okay. But you do get this little, like, telescope thing that you can use to look around the, the, the areas, and if you see something in the distance that you think looks interesting, you can place a marker on it so you can go to it. But it's not. it does not call out to you where things are. You have to go out in the environment and see, oh, that's like a weird temple-looking thing off in the distance. I bet that's a ruin or something that has something in it. And you go over and you and you look and you find it. Okay. Um, it's not frustrating because you can tell when something is a point of interest versus just sort of a standard part of the environment. That's good. Um, because it's such a clean-looking game. Uh, the one thing I do hope is uh, they really need to get a handle on the pop-in. Okay. Uh, the pop-in is bad. What maybe. engine did they use to build the game? I'm pretty sure it's their own, or maybe it's Unreal. I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's uh, but the but you'll see the ground clutter pop in, and then you'll see that all the bushes change form, like change like a, the, the like, I mean, know, all, almost all games still have LOD issues. This is different. Ratchet though. and Clank Rift Apart doesn't though. No, but this is a different thing though because I'm, I don't mean an LOD sh- change. I mean it's a different bush. When oh, you get like it's it's like <laughs> it's like oh that's a different plant. Oh, wow, it's, it's not like it gets higher res. Oh. It literally changes or it the just model. Appears, yeah, like, it just changes. Wow. So it needs to. Oh, that's it, a problem. So yeah. it needs to. Uh, 
It's, I mean, it's clearly the same species of plant, but it's a different plant. <laughs> wow. So crazy. they need to kind of get a handle on that. Uh, there's also people that don't like the animation of the main character who is... It looked a little jumpy in what she, we saw She's there. intentionally animated at 12 frames a second to evoke the um, the old animation in stuff like what they're referencing. Uh, okay. Um, the rest of the game runs at a normal frame rate. It could be another example of when keeping it real goes wrong. No, I think it's brilliant. Oh, you it like it? It looks fantastic. Okay. Like, it's a little weird at first, like the first shots or so, but I didn't even think of it after, like, five minutes. Okay. It's, it, it works. I'll be playing that this weekend, and they again, are, we'll they talk did about it say, on Tuesday. Uh, people did complain about it. They, they did say that's just how we play it. We think it looks good, but we, we are th- they're thinking about adding a make, make Sable the same frame rate as everything else option okay. uh, in the final game. But right now, that's all they have. Okay. Um, my pick at number seven is The Outer Worlds 2. Mm. Um, Matt... Did you, how much did you like the first Outer Worlds? I liked it a lot. I just thought it was um, it felt like a trial run for yeah. something. Yeah, it felt like it was so close yeah. to being kind of that next franchise for Microsoft, like mm-hmm. in Elder Scrolls, or it it actually reminds me a little bit of like Starfield, maybe. Yeah, I have always said that Outer Worlds Two is going to be amazing. Yeah, now I, that they know what they're making and they can just make more. Yeah, like I I think Outer Worlds and. This trailer doesn't show us a whole lot, but the tone sure nails it. Yeah, and look, the first game, that was what I liked about the first game, yeah. too, is the tone of the game. It yeah. was unlike anything felt, else. Well, it was. It was. I would say it's not unlike Fallout. Uh, there's some Fallout to it. because I think it's a little more cheeky than A little more cheeky, Fallout. but what I, what I was going to say is it's what Fallout should have evolved into. I think Fallout has remained stagnant yeah. in its tone and its humor. And Fallout I think certainly could have evolved to this. Outer sure. World, when you tell, and when you tell someone that Outter Worlds is basically what the, the pe- people, a lot of the people that made the original Fallouts made now, you're like, oh yes, like this is a more, basically a more thoughtful form of satirizing what Fallout has always satirized. Yeah, um, I got a lot more. Uh, humor out of Outer Worlds than I have out of Fallout 3 and oh, 4. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, Fallout's kind of gone the other direction. I mean, it's become more serious, I think, well, over time. They try to make it funny. There's some comedic relief, but not a lot. Well, it's like they try, but like, and Fallout's always been a blend of, of horror and kind of existential horror and, and, and satire. But like, I think the pro- problem is that like Bethesda hasn't moved that forward at all. Like, yeah. they haven't adapted the tone of Fallout to the fact that there have been four of them now, five if you count New Vegas. Yeah, and uh, Outer Worlds felt like it it moved that forward a bit. Okay. Um. So I think uh, to me, Outer Worlds scratches the Fallout, the classic Fallout itch, way more than the modern Fallouts do. Okay. Um, I'm really excited for this game. I really liked the Outer Worlds. I felt it fell short in a number of areas that are easy to fix. Mm-hmm. And I feel like mm-hmm. they will be fixed whenever they have a little more time and a little more budget, which they will yep. on this second one. Um, the reason it was low for me is because very little of it was shown. Like, mm-hmm. that trailer is very clever, yeah. and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's very short. When you chop off, like, mm-hmm. the opening and, like, the the cards at the end of it, it's, like, 45 seconds long. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get to see much. What they did show was clever, and it looked pretty good. But they showed so little that it kind of dropped down on my list a little bit for yeah. me. And I do think this is way out. I agree. Yeah, I think years. It's, yeah, I think it's years and too. years away. It kind of surprised that they showed it, honestly. But yeah, um, but I'm glad. It was. Yeah. I, I'm glad to know it's coming because yeah. I, I really hope that they would be allowed to continue that. Yeah. Uh, after they got bought, it sold pretty well too. Yeah. So I think there's incentive there for that. And uh, and again, um, having more resources 
to build the sequel should bode very well for mm. The Outer Worlds 2. All right, Matt, now we're moving to the sixth pick, and I will fully admit that this was my most, at least the pick that I was most surprised by of yours. Mm-hmm. What is your pick at number six? Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah. I don't think I'm alone in considering maybe it'll be a little surprise that you have it so low on your list. Well, then you haven't been listening to me for five <laughs> years. You are not the world's biggest Breath of the Wild fan. No. Yeah. No, I am not. I think Breath of the Wild is a good game that is probably the most overrated thing I have ever played. Um, not when I played it because it was new, but the absurd level of praise and just effusive, like, what a great greatest game of all time. The romanticizing it of it. Is yeah. bullshit. Did you see some of the, I mean, you're not alone. Yeah. A lot of the response online after it was shown, a lot of people share the same sentiments as you. Yeah. I saw, actually, it's, I saw a thread from Cliff Blazinski. Cliff, yeah. And I was shocked to see how many people were in there, like, game, most overrated game yeah, ever. I, mean, I don't I, even like it. I don't I think it's the most overrated it. game ever, but, like, that would be Final Fantasy VII. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I do agree with Cliff. I, I don't think we're going to get it, but I agree with Cliff. You take weapon degradation out of that game, and you got my money right now. Yeah. Uh, because I really didn't like that. And I it's know really it, oh, it's about it. makes you to tr- No, it doesn't make me do anything but hoard weapons. Is yeah. what it it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. Um, I didn't like it either. And uh, about it also, like, I can find a stick in my yard that can hit <laughs> more things than the sticks in that game before breaking. Like, that's the problem is, like, swords don't do that. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. Um, but like, you know, you gotta give me a way to favorite a weapon or like repair something I really like or allow me to, you know, like you you need to give me a little more choice there. I I didn't buy any of that. Uh, I didn't like that there's no real story. I didn't like that there are no dungeons. It's, it it was, that was my biggest complaint. I have always said that Cliff said like the dungeons could have been better. And I just replied with what what dungeons? dungeons? There's four (laughs) mini dungeons that are the great (laughs) boss fights. Yeah. The great beasts. Then you got a little shrine things. Like the thing is, the thing about it is like, I've always said like, Breath of the Wild is a fantastic proof of concept for a Zelda overworld if they ever make an actual Zelda game out of it. Yeah. You put you put nine dungeons in that game, and you got probably one of my favorite Zelda games of all time. Yeah. But they didn't, and maybe this one will. Yeah. It looks cool. Like, I'm into it. I like the Sky stuff. It feels like a little bit of a retread of uh, Sky Skyward Sword, but I can't imagine that this is going to be better than that because the the gliding and stuff in Breath of the Wild uh, One was very good. Yeah. Um, you know, Breath of the Wild's real strength is that it's a combination of a bunch of systems that all work together to create a pretty seamless whole and a toy um, box that you can fit right. around with. Yeah. It, now that is that necessarily what I want out of a Zelda game? No. Yeah. Um, but it is fun, and yeah. I did enjoy it for like eighty hours. I enjoyed watching other people mess with it. Yeah, watching people <laughs> that are really good at it, like like abuse it, is fun. And create like um, a flying like ship or whatever. Yeah, like here's, like, I'm gonna fight this like. Am I gonna do that? I'm gonna fight this no. enemy and like never touch the ground the whole time right. because I found a way to manipulate this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um. But even then, when you watch those videos, those guys are struggling against the UI just like yeah. everybody else. Like there yeah, needs to be a faster way to get through those weapon switching. There needs to be a faster way to do all this stuff. I'm they pretty confident that Nintendo's all that stuff is going to happen with the sequel. Yeah. But yeah, so like, I like what I saw in this trailer. Cool. I, you know, I pretty much coming out when I expected sometime next year. I, I'm guessing March next year is probably accurate. Um, is it up there with my list of things I absolutely definitely want to play? No. Yeah. No. Interesting. Like I'm into it. I'm, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. Uh, did it super excite me? Not really. Maybe it would have if they'd shown like a big deep dive demo of all the new stuff and what's was, going on. That's my big caveat about it showing at E3. Yeah. They showed so little. There's nothing there. It's just the same things we've already seen. I really. mean, I've now watched the trailer like 20 times between all the edits that I've done since mm-hmm. it was released and watching coverage. I watched like an analysis yeah. thing. Like and- this was the equivalent of that 
the for Breath of the Wild one where they had you know Anuma and, and Miyamoto sitting there on a couch playing it, yeah. you know, and talking a little bit about it, and they, you, you only saw very little snippets of things. Um, you know, you didn't get a full, you didn't get a real look into it, and I'm sure we'll get that eventually. But off of what was shown at E3, I'm like, oh, cool, you know, still coming, coming relatively soon. Uh, definitely a big deal. Cool. Glad to see more of it. Glad to see the sky stuff. Glad to see you know big dramatic things in it. You know, it's you know they 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 have leaned a little more into sort of the epic stuff. I hope there's more narrative in this one. Although, Me too. Although I did like the tweet that was like, Zelda's been fighting for a hundred years to. To you know, to stop Calamity Ganon and save Hyrule in in preparation for you to be revived and you know da da da. In Breath of the Wild two, it's like Link Zelda fell in a hole. Go get her. Go get her. <laughs> it's, it's like all right. I hope I I assume there's more to it. Than yeah, that. I don't know if a lot of people realized either, but if you take the two trailers, like they tell a story together. Yeah. Like they're they'll cut out of the first trailer. And then that picks up in the second trailer, mm-hmm. and you can actually kind of fit them together like puzzle pieces, and it kind of tells you what the story is, or at least the opening of the game is for mm-hmm. the most part. Uh, but anyway, I do have it on my list. I have it a little bit higher. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, my number six pick is Redfall. It is the cooperative vampire hunting game from Arcane. Um, I have always been a big fan of what Arcane does, I'm despite the fact that I'm not a gigantic quote unquote immersive sim guy. Um, I do play all of its games. I really I liked Prey probably more than Dishonored, to be honest yeah, with I you. Yeah, I like Prey a lot more. And than I don't Dishonored. know why that is. Part of it might be the setting, to be perfectly honest with you. Like mm-hmm. Dishonored has this weird kind of alt like forties vibe to it almost. Oh, I'd say more like eighteen hundreds. Yeah, maybe it's a, right. it's a, maybe it's it a goes steampunk. back farther than that. It's yeah. a, it, actually what it is is kind of a diesel punk yeah. thing. It's uh I, I do like the world of I just I hate the way Dishonored plays. Now. It feels I used to be I used to like it more, uh, but I went back to play it when they did the frame rate boost stuff and I bounced right off them. Like, yeah. in a way that I didn't before. Part of it is because I have always felt that Dishonored feels like it's punishing me for playing things the way I want to play them. Like certain trying to play the game certain ways makes it way more difficult. Like it really seems to they say like the correct way to play the game is to not kill anybody, but that's right. extremely difficult. Oh, forget that. And yeah. I was like, and then like when you kill too many people, it gets like you know the, the tendency of the thing gets dark and it gets all. It was like and you get like a bad ending and stuff. I'm like fuck you. I I just honestly have always felt like Arcane's games the settings are drab. Like and maybe it's on purpose. Like the games always feel imp- oppressive to play for me. I would. I mean, I even I wouldn't call, felt that way because you're kind of like trapped I on this call, space station. And eh, I wouldn't call them drab. Like like Dishonored. You don't find the art and world of those games drab and dreary. I guess it's 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 not pleasant, but I wouldn't call it drab. Like I would call it um, like it's not somewhere I'd want to visit. Right. I guess, but like drab makes me think it's badly colored or sort of like shabby or whatever. I, I mean, there's I think, lots of gray, brown, and black in the so, Dishonored franchise. Sure but I, I don't know. I, drab is not a word that would come to mind. It's just, um, especially with that weird art style they use. That's the other um, part of it. Yeah, which is a little off-putting, but I think it's supposed to be like it's Maybe. not. Maybe it's not a. It's not a pleasant stay. They, right? They never. They never get me excited to play them. Is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. Like I always think about them, and I'm like, I really like what I'm doing in the games, but then I think about, like, the setting and the characters, and it just doesn't pull me back in. I think Prey does. Prey does. The more setting more works, so works a than lot Dishonored, for, for sure. Uh, Dishonored. I like the setting of Dishonored a lot. I just don't like the game very yeah. much okay. in the end. I, I'm not a stealth person, though. I, I'm not either. Uh, and the stealth in in Prey made made was more interesting to me because of the, the way the, the aliens could be anything in the yeah. environment. Like, that was... And, like, you kind of had that moment where it's like, oh, there's two coffee cups. There's probably... 
not supposed to be two coffee right. cups. And it's like, <laughs> oh no, that, those are both coffee cups. You know, it's like, <laughs> like you, could, you could like you could. They knew when to when to kind of psych you out. Yeah, and dishonored just felt like you know, I don't know. It wasn't Redfall, as compelling. The, what I'm getting at is that Redfall is way more exciting to me. The setting, the fact that they're like making a shooter because. Shooting has always been in their games, but not the crux of their games. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, so, I'm still expecting them to be something like, well, if you kill the vampires, you're really a bad person. Right. Kind of like, that, that's, if you put them in a coffin. and <laughs> Yeah, you got to wrap them in a coffin and put them in a ghost trap and stick them in the containment unit, and now you're a good person. Right, be yeah. I don't know if it'll have any of that. Like, I'm just excited to see something it different. It shouldn't. Because sh- Arcane, it they're craftsmen. They make really mm-hmm. great games. And I feel like the things that I was talking about earlier about Dishonored and Prey – or what keep those games from really selling gangbusters. So I like that it's more of a contemporary setting while still having a supernatural angle to it. Um, I'm just, I think it looks really good. And again, we didn't get to see anything from this but a trailer, Mm -hmm. uh, which honestly, this would have appeared a lot higher for me if we probably got to see a lot more of it. Uh, But it seems clever. It seems like a unique concept, nothing that I've really played before. I'm down with what the developers have done in the past. Um, again, now that this is under the Microsoft umbrella, more time, more resources, better libraries mm-hmm. to build the games on. Not that their games have ever looked bad or no, anything like that. I just, I, this is not on my list uh, in large part because to me, this, I mean, I do like the world. I would watch like a probably an animated series set in it. But to me, this just looks like hero shooter number 4,392. Like, I, really? don't, I don't have any real interest in this. I didn't um, feel like the characters in it were, like, over the top or, like, here's the Over the, the top, but they are just classes. Yeah. Just, you know, it's just like, you're going to need to show me. You have a sniper. You're going to need to show me the gameplay and show me that it's not just Left for Dead with character classes. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Well, vampires are different than zombies. They are, but uh, pretty drastically. But in the end, uh, you're still just shooting the thing. I liked the mystery, though. Like, in it's a cinematic, obviously, it's not really in a game. But I always feel like when you see trailers for games, when they show stuff like that, they're hinting at some things that are going to appear in the game. So there's the one moment in the trailer where, like, they have no idea where the vampire is, and they're like freaking out. They're like, "Oh wait, he disappeared. Where could he be?" Like those type of elements, I don't associate with a lot of arcane games. Um, arcane games, to me, tend to be more more plotting where you need to kind of figure things out in your mind and then execute execute on it. Like, to me, there seems to be a little bit more opportunity, a window here to kind of think on your feet um, than, you, than I did in their prior game. So I'm pretty excited by it. Another game I feel like we're probably not going to see for a while. Seems like it. I mean, they said, like, next year. I would not be surprised if it does not make it next year. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that's any game... This outside of that six games in six month thing that Microsoft is touting right now, I am not confident that they're going to yeah, come out. Yeah, no way to know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if some one of those six games ends up being delayed again. Like, yeah, and it feels like early twenty twenty two is going to be pretty quiet for yeah. Xbox in that regard. Yep. So I'm really excited for the game, but I maybe don't... it should be with Nintendo coming out yeah. probably strong in in March. That's true. Yeah, might be smart to avoid that. Uh, but anyway, I'm excited for Redfall. Uh, I don't know if you guys are, but uh, I liked what I saw in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, now it's to you. We're gl- we're at pick number five. What is your pick at num- the number five slot? Uh, number five slot is Outer Worlds 2. Yep. Um, we already kind of talked about it, but yeah, this would be higher if it was more, if it wasn't just a funny trailer. It's really minimal. Yeah. Um, and if it was closer... Yeah, but uh, it was good to see. It was uh, you know one an, uh, I think an announcement most people weren't expecting, and uh, I just sort of gl- I'm just glad we got a little thing that says like, hey, this is it's still coming. coming. This yeah. is gonna happen, and yep. it was funny. Like it was, you know, 
It was like you said at the time, like no one else can do this trailer now. Like, yeah, they that's got it. they got there first. Yeah, so which I think uh, ties into my point of how uh, the the Obsidian guys making this are ahead. Of, they are ahead of the game in terms of getting the satire right. In terms of like being you know doing what Fallout used to claim to do. Yeah, uh, I think these guys. This series seems like it's going to be where that goes now. Yep. So good good stuff. Yep. Just give me more worlds, more crazy thing. Make, make it bigger and more expansive. I mean, it doesn't need to be Starfield, but like I actually kind of liked the size of the first game. That was one thing that I, I wanted liked more. About it. it wasn't bloated. Like it wasn't, a lot but, of I, these but games I thought it was be. too. I did think it was too small. Okay. I would have. I would have liked three more planets. I mean, I think, I think that's a fair criticism. Um, but I actually kind of felt it was refreshing at the time, and maybe it was a product. Yeah, of, I think it was. I think it should have been. It was what it should have been for a first game. Like they, yeah. it had the focus they needed to get everything to work more or less properly. But now that they've got like the mold <laughs> built, uh, I feel like they. I feel like they can do more with it. Expand it out. Do more worlds. Let me explore more stuff because I really like, you know, throwing me into a big solar system and saying go see all these different places and go back and forth and do what you need to do between each world really enjoyed that so you'd give me another give me another solar system give me with more planets or more moons or whatever i just want more weird places to see okay um now on to my fifth pick and this is a game that matt had on his list but much higher than i did and that is far cry six or so lower I, well Depending on depending on your perspective, yeah. yeah, I have it higher on my list than Matt did, and the reason I do is something I mentioned earlier, is that we got to see a lot of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, they started blowing it out before E three really started, and then E three kicks in, and they're like, "Oh, we got more announcements than that." We've seen four trailers for this game now. We got the villains trailer, the villains DLC trailer at the show. Uh, they also showed a big chunk of gameplay. They had a huge trailer that explained a lot of the gameplay elements. And then influencers actually had raw gameplay of the game. They're not hiding this game at all. Um, and I like what I've seen so far. You're right. It is another Far Cry, which means I probably have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to be doing with my time 80% of the time playing this game. But I'll be honest with you. When I first heard about the Cuba setting before E3, I was not excited about it at all. I was, I'm a big fan of Breaking Bad. I love that he was in the game. But to me, that was really the only hook for the game before E3 happened. And once E3 came, we got to see all the advancements and the changes that they're making to it for this entry, while again being mostly 80% the same. If you do more, if you make if you change more than 20% of a game, is it a, the same game anymore? I don't know if it is. So to me, if you're a fan of a franchise, I don't know that you want more than like 20, 25% of a game to change. Um, and it looks like they're hitting right around that percentage for this. Um, the more I've seen of it, the more I've been excited by it, and they've shown us a good bit of it. And so that's why it ended up coming in at the number five spot for me. I have a feeling I'm going to be really pleased with this game once I play it. You know, playing through Ratchet and Clank right now, all the crazy weapons in that game um, has got me excited for Far Cry 6 because of what they've shown so far of the weapons that you can have in this game. Um, I do love in Ratchet how you're always getting a new weapon. Mm-hmm. Like literally every time you complete like one milestone, you get some crazy other weapon that you can use and then you can start specking it out and uh, going down its skill tree and changing it based upon how you use it. Um, one thing that I think Far Cry could learn from Ratchet and Clank is leveling up your weapon when you use it. Mm-hmm. That is something in Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart that I think every game should have. If you use your weapon it should level up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't think Far Cry 6 is going to have that, unfortunately. No, I don't think so. Um, but it should. I think it's a brilliant system, and it rewards you and makes you better with the weapon that I mean, you Ratchet's like to use. Ratchet's been doing that since the second game. I know. Like, that was, it's weird. It's one of those things that you're like, how come no one steals? It's like I, the, it's like the it. active reload thing. It's yeah. like, why don't more people steal that? We are starting to see more active reloads Yeah, they, they, you know, Outriders and stuff. Yep. Did so. you know Cliff didn't even know that Outriders had that in the game? <laughs> he didn't even know. He's not as engaged with gaming as no. He's got other things going on. Yeah, he's like but, all. Uh, he's. I think he's more into Broadway now. He's than doing he is a lot games. of Broadway stuff. He's kind of yeah. you know. He's he's nesting. Yeah. Uh, I have asked him about the active reload thing before. He's just like, I don't know. I think he's like, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> the I, best thing I ever. One of the best ideas I ever had. He's yeah. like, you know, he's, I'm like, I agree, but like, yeah, it's weird. Like it's it's. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, it's, I, it's fun. I do think that my. Playtime with Ratchet the Macarena, and Clank. Macarena. Shoot. Yeah, it shoots CDs that play the Macarena. <laughs> like, I do think that my time I've been spending with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart has endeared this game to my heart a little more than maybe normally it would. Um, but I'm really excited for it. I love all the other parts of Far Cry, too. So mm-hmm. I've played every one. I've enjoyed every one. I'm pretty confident that this is going to nail it, just like every other Far Cry that I've played. Um, I'm excited for it, and it's not much longer to wait. They showed us a ton of it, and I wanted to reward the game for that and reward uh, Ubisoft for that as well. So I find it at my fifth slot. Now we're inside the top four. This is where the things start to get a little tight because um, there, to me there's three, four games that are very clearly, I think people probably know what's left at this point from E3. Mm-hmm. And they're probably wondering where we're going to slot them. So Matt, what is your number four uh, my number four is Elden Ring. Um, really surprised you didn't have this higher. You shouldn't be. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I like I love the the Souls games, of course. Yeah. Uh, and this is a cool reveal, finally a reveal, and a non ridiculous wait time. Uh, we don't think yeah. at this point. Um, but there was an element watching this trailer. It's like, yep, that's a From Software game. Like it's that's Dark Souls. Again, with a horse that can jump really high, um, it didn't like psych me up as wow. much as I thought it, it would. It psyched me up. Um, I'm surprised to hear that. What about uh, after you watched the trailer and you started learning more about it? Because they've basically yeah. laid the whole game. I mean, bare I'm still into point. it. It's just one of those things where it's like I'm gonna have to play it, uh, and I'm interested. It's, uh, but there is an element now of like I feel like I've kind of done the From Software thing enough, uh, and Sekiro was really the proper distillation of from philosophy into the game I liked the best. Mm-hmm. Like if you're So Sekiro is your favorite from game? Of of that kind of modern Souls era okay. thing. If I you want to if you want to consider Sekiro like part of the Souls series, I guess, because yeah. it's sort you know, sort of. Yeah. Um it would be that. If you don't consider Sekiro a Souls game, my favorite would be Bloodborne. Um, I feel like they have nailed the formula down in two different ways other than Dark Souls. This feels like going back to the Dark Souls thing a little more than I'm... For, oh, there's a lot of Kingsfield references in this, too. Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, almost a love letter to, to their their whole history as a developer, almost. When I saw um, your ranking for this, Matt, I thought maybe you were upset that they were changing so much of it, and that's no. why it wasn't higher. No. I mean, I'm not upset that cha- – I mean, we'll see if I like the changes or not. I mean, um, it's open world. There are mounts. I mean, I Four-player co-op. Yeah, I don't care about that. You don't. Um, I mean, as I do. As I somebody who has struggled to play these games, having other humans there who may or may not be able to help seems mm-hmm. like an upgrade for me. That's always been part of Dark Souls, though. Yeah, you but, always summon people to help. Right, That's the whole but point. This is, but yeah, this is actually them playing along with you in the world. This isn't like you having to go through some weird like web interface to get them to like. There's no web interface. Appear. You click a thing. 
I've works. never been able to get people to join my games in Souls games. I've tried. Nobody ever shows up. Like, mm-hmm. the the for me, the only help I get are, like, the little signposts and things like that in the games. I've never played with someone else. No, that's not true. One time I was playing, someone joined my game and killed me. Well, yeah, it's the, it's the other right. element. Right. So, I don't know. If I, to me, four-player co-op, that's a big change. It's literally from the other games. Um, what other game has four-player co-op? I don't know if that four-player, but you can summon multiple people, at least two other people, in uh, most of the Souls games. Really? Yeah, to help you with bosses and stuff. I didn't know that. That's that's basic. When people, one can of they the, play the whole game along with you? Can they keep playing? You, it's only in sections, and uh, you can't choose people. Except I think maybe one of them. You can, there, there's hacks you can do that with, I think, uh, but like on the PC versions. But basically, you can't choose oh, okay. that. But you can summon people, and like you can kind of sort of wiggle with it. If like you know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna put my sign down in front of this boss room right now. You're outside of it. If if my if a sign pops up here, pick that. And sometimes you can get the, the right per- the person you're looking for. But there's no way to plan it with your friend or anything. Yeah. But if you're having trouble with a section or a boss, you can summon somebody, and usually they can go through the section with you. And then when you beat the boss, everybody disappears. Okay. Um, that is basically what if there's the people who are dead set against having an easy mode in a Souls game, which I still disagree with. Uh, that I think an easy mode would be fine. Um, but they will often say, if you want easy mode, you can just summon other players to help you find No, we had, I had a discussion on Twitter, and that's what some people were suggesting. Yeah. They're like... Um, so this is obviously obviously different in that you can, you know, they're part of the world, and you can play alongside them like Borderlands style. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to be summoned and vanish again. So that's a ch- that is it's a like, change. I'll be honest with you. Summoning but, somebody I don't know into a Dark Souls game is a terrible... To me, is a terrible idea. <laughs> Because my one experience was some dude just showed up. Well, no, if you, if I just had left it open because yeah, I was like, how, maybe someone will help. Well, and no, it, the you, guy shows up and he just kills me. No, you, you, no one just shows up to help. Like you have to summon help. If you, but if someone will just show up to kill you. Like that's the PvP uh, in in the Souls games. But to, for co-op to help someone, you have to intentionally summon. Okay, help. which is probably why it's never happened. Yes, for me, that yeah. is why that's never happened. Because because the only you can get invaded at any time if you're online and, and open for that. Yeah. Um, but for co-op, for someone to be a friendly character, you have to intentionally call for them. Oh, gotcha. With a okay. different type of sign on the ground. Okay. And of so, course, you're, so basically you're just saying you're kind of burnt out on the Souls thing at this point. A little point. bit. I mean, I'll probably get more interested and more excited when it's closer to release. Yeah. Um, but And also there was, there's an element of like, I, we've been waiting for this for so long and finally they show it. It's like, okay, cool. But like, I'm still kind of annoyed with you for taking so long and, yeah. and teasing so long. Like you could, and you all could the just, leaks. You could have just not announced it till now or something. Right. You know, like. And they did drag us along for quite a while. And also, I will also admit that I watched two hours of that Summer Games Fest thing waiting to see that damn thing. And finally, <laughs> I mean, there was a li- there's a little bit of like, I got about goddamn time. I sat through a lot of indie bullshit to get to you. That's funny. So you let that play into your uh, impressions Probably of the game? Probably a little bit. Yeah, ask me in a month and maybe I'll be a little less, less harsh about it. But like, uh, yeah, it's just um, cool. Into it. You know, four is not low on a top ten list, but yeah. uh, the other three games on my list are definitely definitely outrank it. Also, okay. because as much as I like the Souls games, they're not the end-all, be-all of video games to me. Like, I know there's people that think there's nothing better than Dark right. Souls 1, yeah. and you will never top that as a video game, and all other video games should be like Dark Souls 1 in some way. I do not agree with that. I think they're really good. I really like them to varying degrees. Uh, I they are not They did not change how I view video games. They yeah, did not either. change my life. Yeah. I just really like them. Well, I think for a lot of us, we played really hard games when we were kids. Yeah. But I think for younger folks, like, games had become really easy, and they had only played really easy games their whole life. So if something like this comes along, mm-hmm. they're like, holy crap, yeah, like, that's a I, revelation. And I would continue to say that the Dark Souls games are not really that hard. They are just unforgiving and 
they violate some things that you think are probably held sacred by modern game design. In 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 large part, taking things away from the player. Yeah. Like lo- event the, the the freeing moment of Dark Souls is when you realize that losing all those souls from dying and not getting back to your body doesn't matter because you can always get more. Yeah. Like you have to let that go. The hardest game in the series is Sekiro. Because you can't get better. Which, you, ironically, is the game I played the most of. Right. Well, because it's more of a Twitch-based... Like, <laughs> that game is entirely based around skill. And it, I'd say it's more based around skill than uh, the other games in the sense that, like, you have to be either good at that combat or you fail. Yeah. You, they, Sekiro doesn't get any better, really. Like, he gets certain other tricks and abilities. But you're no, you can't just grind an area over and over, like in Dark Souls, and level your character up until you can do... One you know, hit kill, kills. Kill a yeah. guy you used to kill in five hits, now you can get hit, kill in one or two. Right. That'll make that whole section easier. You'll beat that boss in, like, you know, 12 hits rather than 35, right? Right, right. Sekiro will never be that. Yeah. You, you either do it or you don't. And that is one of the things I love about it is that you you have your tools. This is what you have to work with. Are you good enough to do it? Yeah, and, and that I've never it, had a problem with games like that. Right, and there's a there's you. a purity to uh, to that design meeting the Dark Souls ideas that the Dark Souls games don't have to me because part of the thing with and I think one of the things you have trouble with is part of being successful in Souls and Bloodborne is knowing the system. Yeah, knowing the quirks. Yeah, knowing yeah. the quirks. And how to, with Sekiro, it's just like here's what you can do. Go Good luck. It. Yeah. Like, and I love it. that. I love that. That's almost that. Really, that's old school arcade philosophy. It is. It comes down to it, right? Either you can do it or you can't. You, yeah, you, yeah. You have this this set of abilities, and you and we promise you can get through it. We promise it works. Yeah. You just have We've to figure it. it out. Can you do it? So, yeah. and that's what I love about Sekiro. Okay. Um, and I'm actually, and I've got me. Yeah, obviously, I played the Demon Souls remake. I've gone back and played uh, Dark Souls two and most of Bloodborne again since the PS5 came out. I want to see what they look like on that. Um, I'm curious what I'll, what my reaction to going back to a more traditional quote unquote take on. Yeah, obviously this is very different with the. This the, is this appears to be more like Dark. It's more Souls. like Dark Souls than Sekiro yeah. is, right? It appears um, that way. So yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting to, for to see. I'm interested to see what my reaction will be to go going back to something like that. Whether it be like coming home, or whether it'll be like, oh, I miss I miss just sort of the the simplicity and the purity of what Sekiro did. But we'll see. Yep. Um, I really really like that the horse can jump up a cliff. Like I don't know why I don't know why that appeals <laughs> to me so much. But that horse doing the the freaking super jump up the yeah. up the mountain is like, oh yeah, that's the, that's my shit. I didn't know that was my shit until right now. But yeah, that is absolutely my shit. Just super jumping horses. That's what I'm here for. That was a little weird, I thought. Um, <laughs> it are, does have the weird, you know, there's a, there's a there's an oddity to yes. the Souls games that it, this one definitely captures yeah. uh, in a the way. The trailer that, captures it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, my pick, and I'm going to take this one a little bit earlier than you, is Metroid Dread at number four. Matt, when I, I'll say this. When I first saw Metroid Dread in the, the Nintendo press conference and we had our moment of elation and we're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, Matt Casamassina called this 15 years ago, blah, blah, blah. It probably would have been number one for me at that mo- at that moment. Um, we watched a little bit of the Treehouse gameplay while we were finishing off our Nintendo analysis and stuff like that. So I got to see a little bit of it then. But over the last couple days, I really dug deep into this. I went back and watched all the gameplay in the Treehouse. I started reading some of the stuff that people had uncovered, like um, IGN got exclusive access to the game and they did a big preview on it. And I will say this. The more I've learned about it, the little I'm a little less excited for it um, than I was when I first saw it. Um, 
I'm as you had said earlier, I'm also not a big stealth guy, and it does appear that stealth and hiding from the robots is kind of a big part of the game. And in fact, if you watch the treehouse gameplay, mm-hmm. there are some parts that are like absurd, where they're like there's a block. And they're just doing loops around the block trying to shake off one of the robots. And this is the treehouse playing it, mind you. This isn't mm-hmm. like someone fumbling with it for the first time. Yeah. Although I did watch some of that, and some of it is them just showing you right. what yeah. you're doing. Like, yeah, yeah, they, like there's sure. a bunch of times they could get away with him, get away from and get out of the area, and they just don't because they want to show you what the robot does. Right, show the behavior and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm still really excited for this game. I'm always going to be geeked out over any 2D Metroid. Um, but it is starting to give me a little bit of like Metroid Fusion vibes, which I liked. But you know, I mean, it's a direct sequel to it, right. so It should have a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I get that. But um, but Metroid Fusion is not one of my favorite Metroid games, to be perfectly honest with you. No, I, I think most people would agree. with Yeah. That. Um, but one of the reasons I didn't, uh, well, I, Metroid Fusion is is uh, considered a little less uh, good than the others. Is um, it's so linear and so directed right. and so it forces it's you down it's not to really a metroidvania side. no it's like yeah. it's uh you, you're not the exploration is lost a lot yeah. in, in that because you're just sort of they're just funneling you down to and you, you, know, you completed what you need to do here now you're just going to take an elevator over to the next part and you're going to do that it's just going to kind of shift you around this ship uh, I wonder if Metroid Prime amazing. is also going to be nerfed in that way. Metroid Prime That's 4. A good quite, well, the, the good news is we don't need to worry about that right. for a very <laughs> for long a really, time. really long time. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, there you go. Uh, my number four pick, Metroid Dread. Matt, we're into the top three now. And the number three pick, mm-hmm. we both have the same. And yeah. um, I'm betting people who are on the stream right now can probably guess if there's one game in the top three that we both picked at this. I think people mm-hmm. can probably guess what this is. Yeah. And it's Starfield. Starfield. Yeah. Um, um, this is all based upon just the studio yeah, and the, the studio, pedigree. the conjecture, the concept art they showed afterwards, uh, y'all, what, all kind of what, what they've said this, this is going to be. Look, if they'd done like an actual gameplay deep dive, this would probably be number one. Probably like, for me, too. Without any question. Yep. Like, this is... You know, this concept art in this game is like, yes, I want to play you. Like, it is, you know, go around in the, in the universe finding stuff. You know, we all know how much I like No Man's Sky. I'm, you know, closing in on a thousand hours played on that game across all platforms at this point. Yep. Um, I did the whole Normandy thing and got the Normandy frigate that they did. They did that promotion <laughs> thing where you had to do it. It was like a three-day quest that took forever. <laughs> um, but, like... Uh, like if this is what they say it's going to be, like I will see you the following year. <laughs> like this is this is the kind of thing that I I waited for. You know, it's the, a game that's been in my head since I was a kid, sort of thing. We'll see if they 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 make it out. But they've taught they've called it a Han Solo simulator. This kind of like like has Indiana Jones and like uh, and like Star Wars combined. I'm just like, all right, like you're you're saying all the right words here. Uh, trigger words. Yeah, Those are all trigger words. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hope it, they're true. Yeah. But all the, and the concept art is a cr- tremendous variety of like you know huge cities and weird colonies and jungles and water cities and I mean it's, it's like how it's did like you a, feel about this the trailer the debut for it it was cool I mean obviously it's the first thing you're not going to see a whole lot um, I would have definitely liked to have seen a little more I'd like to have seen a little action or yeah. a little indication of like what other planets might look like or you know but or just like what's the story or anything like it's just so I mean my guess is just like you're exploring. Space and there's is probably, that it? I don't know. I'm sure. That, I'm sure there's some kind of weird artifacty thing where you're trying to track some alien civilization down to like the origin of the species or whatever. That's usually what these how these things go. 
But if you make the com- the exploration and the and the alien worlds compelling enough, I don't need too much of a story. Yeah. As again, No Man's Sky has indicated. There um, is no story, really. I mean, there is now. So it's like a pretty Lovecraftian horror story about how, like, basically the story in No Man's Sky now is um, is fairly robust in terms. I mean, it's text driven or whatever. But yeah. basically, the 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 character you're playing and all the characters like them are all aware that they are characters in a simulated video game, and they're basically having an existential breakdown because the the simulation has been reset so many times, and like. It's it's kind of a meditation on reality and existence and whether we can say the same we, whether we can be confident and in, in the idea that we are not in the same position they are and uh, that's kind of all you need to make everything you do in that game a little unsettling. Every time I see the trailer, I think of Returnal. Hmm. It's the chick with the space helmet looking through the glass. Yeah, I think this is going to be a little less dark. Yeah, I, but, uh, <laughs> I definitely agree. Uh, there's just a lot of mystery left behind it. Um, but me placing it at number three is purely because mm-hmm. it's Todd Howard and Bethesda's A1 Studio. Yeah, I mean, in the end, I expect I will spend a lot of time doing the stupid Skyrim hop up a mountain in a slightly Marsian <laughs> like area. And it's, yeah, it's still going to yeah. be the same stupid engine and the same. You know, and it's probably going to be not nearly as majestic as what they're showing in that trailer. But I'm still in. I'm yeah. still excited. I hope it's not just a No Man. I know you would love that because it's one of your favorite games. But I hope it's not a, a No Man's Sky clone. Like I hope there is a more directed narrative in. The I think game. there will definitely. I mean, I don't think that Bethesda makes anything that isn't. Um, but I think it's. I think you can milk a lot of exploration out of these new worlds and stuff. I think it would be more direct. Obviously, the, the worlds would be more handcrafted. They wouldn't be, you know, procedurally generated. There, would right. be, there wouldn't be billions of them. There's going to be probably there won't be a swagasaurus. Hundred of them, or you know, no swagasaurus. <laughs> Although, you know what? I won't put it past them to put a swagasaurus in here somewhere. <laughs> Someone probably saw that gif, right? They might have. Yeah. I'd like to see the swagasaurus live on in some form. Yeah. Okay. My, my one great contribution to video game <laughs> memes. That's one more than I have. <laughs> All right, we're inside the top two now, Matt. What is your number two pick? This this also surprised me a little bit, I got to admit. Uh, my number two pick is Forza Horizon 5. Yeah. Uh, for all the opposite reasons, it's at the bottom of your list, which is that, uh, like you said, it is the best driving franchise franchise in, in play right now. Uh, you know, they, they the driving's always pristine. It's always the best driving. It was like, and that's exactly why I don't, you know, I'm, I've said it before, innovation's overrated. You do say Perf- that all the perfect time. Perfect it. Perfect something. And I will come to the door just the same way I would come for something I've never done before. And uh, Forza doesn't need to change anything. Forza can just do Forza again. And but at what point? New- like, what point does, is that not good enough? I don't know. You I'll, 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 I'll let you know circa Forza Horizon 7, I think. <laughs> as long as they keep picking compelling locations, I'm fine with it. Like, like Forza Horizons live or die with the location for me. And sometimes I don't always know which location's going to excite me or not. Like, um, my least favorite one is two. I, I don't even remember what the location was. I don't was remember either. either. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, the first That's one funny. was Denver, like, like the Colorado. Yeah, which is so bizarre. Yeah, and the, the third <laughs> one was, um, like, the was, oh, the second one was, like, Mediterranean. Wasn't it? it was, like, Italy? Maybe. It was nothing. It was stupid. It yeah. didn't work. And then, like, the last one, which was, uh, um, England was great. Yeah, like it was, you know, that, it's very tied in with like kind of the car culture, and all, I, I really liked it. And like the Mexican countryside looks great here. It's going to be a little bit like playing a driving uh, a racing game in Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, but uh, I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it. 
Um, Red Dead Burnout. Like I don't, and and the other thing, of course, you know, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, you know, jaw dropping visuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first games we're probably going to play after Ratchet and Clank that really makes you aware of why you spent that five hundred dollars on that new game system. Yep. And uh, it's coming out this year. Like it's yeah, right it here. It's coming up. Like I, it's something to look forward to immediate in the immediate of things. So yeah. all that uh, in terms of everything that I'm, you know, if you're going to rank my excitement level over everything we saw this is right up there because it's um it's it's coming right away it's exactly i mean don't get me wrong i'm not begrudging anybody for loving this game being excited about it it's just it's just so much of a known quantity for me at this point it's hard to get excited about it until i have it booted up and ready to play known quantities don't bother me also in 2021 we could use a few known quantities maybe (laughs) we need that comfort food right yeah i'm not not averse to a comfort game right now yeah i hear you into it and yes, as you said, it's and Returnal wasn't that. No, so. <laughs> and as you said, it's coming pretty soon too. We're not have to wait, yeah. wait long to actually play. Um, okay, it's time for my second pick, and I never thought I would see the day that this would happen, Matt. That hmm. I would take a From Software game higher than you, but Elden Ring is my number two pick, and I'll say this. This may be a game that benefited from the fact that I was unable to play it <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's a chance that if I played this... Yeah, all this is going to evaporate as soon as it you could, get your hands on it. Right. So it could be if it is too close to the Dark Souls formula that it turns me off, it wouldn't be in my probably my top ten at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm not assuming anything about this game. I'm looking at what was shown and what was said about this game at E3, and what is shown, I'm all over it. This is the rub for me with From Software. I love everything about its games. I love the setting, the tone, the art, the design, the music, the creatures, the everything. But the caveats that a lot of people have with their games, I have them too. But it's that stamina bar. That stamina bar. It it really does bother me in a lot of games. But this game again, it looks freaking awesome. Like I just I want to play it and I may get it and be an hour into it and put it down and never play it again. But based upon what we were shown at E3, the interviews that he did afterwards, um, like, for instance, you may not like a lot of the changes that are coming to this, Matt, but, like, it's a more guided experience. Now, he said you can go off and get into trouble and go Mm -hmm. scrap with enemies you probably shouldn't be scrapping with. But he said generally because... Of the fact that it, it you are playing with four other players, they have to be. It has to be a little bit more guided because otherwise you're going to have one dude all the way over some other place fighting some enemies that you can't kill yet, while somebody else is actually following like the main path. I have a feeling that a lot of the stuff that's going to be in this game is going to be a turnoff to some of the hardcore from software fans. But a lot of the, the changes that I've heard about, I think, are going to make me like the game more. Um, I'm obviously a big fan of George R. R. Martin, his work. Um, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I can see some of that pedigree coming through in this trailer that they released. Um, I'm just really excited for it. And look, I may get burned again. It may be another game where I'm like, I can't wait to play this. And I play an hour of it, and I'm like, screw this game. I'll never touch it again. That could very well be so. But based upon what they showed in this trailer, all the interviews that they did, what they talked about as far as what George R. R. Martin has done on the game, um, I'm really excited for it. it the, the storytelling appears to be more overt. You're not going to be reading like these screeds mm-hmm. to try to get the, the plot and what's happening. Um, it's open world. There are mounts. Um, he talked about how they, they asked him, they're like, so, you know, you're known for your level design. Um, how's that going to play out in an open world? And he's basically like, look, you know, my level design's still there. 
You're going to go to a location. You're going to find a temple, castle, whatever the hell you want to call it, and there it is. And you go in, and you try to finish the castle mm -hmm. just like you would any other section of any of my other games. So I'm really excited for it. I know I could end up being let down again, but based upon what I've seen from E3 and interviews, it does sound like he's bending it a little bit more towards people who maybe haven't been huge fans of From Software games in the past. Um, and that's all I can ask for. I can't even ask for that. Like, I don't mm -hmm. ask him for anything. I'm just hoping that it ends up that way. So there you go. My number two pick from E3 2021, Elden Ring. And now it's time for our number one picks, Matt. What is your, what game from E3 2021 makes you the most excited? Well, by process of elimination, it is obviously Metroid Dread. <laughs> yep. Um, this is, uh, I mean, I have been talking about a, you know, Mercury Steam 2D, a new 2D Metroid from them for some time now. Yep. Um, it just seemed like that was probably what you do with them after Metroid uh, Samus Returns, yep. since that turned out so well. Um, this is clearly uh, built on the same idea. You know, there's the counter system is still in here, and yep. there's still a lot of, you're still doing a lot of the same things. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically it's like, you know, I expected, I really did expect Nintendo to ignore Metroid. For, for that maybe throw a bone here and there, but like not give us a full new thing, because um, it really felt like it was about time for something like this game to come along. But it just seemed like in character for Nintendo to be like, eh, nah. Well, they haven't said crap about Metroid all year. Nothing. It's its anniversary. I don't blame you at all for thinking that. That's just logic. And uh, what I like other stuff too. I would like to see you know a collection. I like to see Zero Mission Infusion brought onto the Switch so it doesn't languish on handhelds forever. Uh, sure, but I'll take a brand new Metroid game, especially one based on like stuff from like what was essentially a legend in the in the fandom for, <laughs> it's really crazy you know, for the last 20 years or so yeah um metroid dread has always has been essentially a running gag for a long time you know every, i mean obviously it was a real project but like they even said on the treehouse stream like you know it was a real thing and then we canceled it and then another team tried to do it again like, a few years later and then that didn't work and it's just, it's just sort of been in a drawer for like since like 2005 well a lot of people were introduced to matt casamassina for the first time this week yeah because a lot of people didn't believe that he called this 15 years yeah. ago <laughs> because they don't they didn't know who he was yep they're he's like, like who's, who I is thought that? of um it's like he's the founder of one of the founders of ign yeah, dude. i kept like, thinking of um is an it's like the third or fourth episode of X Files where they meet, they find the guy who like can stretch into vents and stuff. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. And like, there's the old <laughs> FBI, old police officer, or FBI agent who like fought, like fought him like when he like woke up like 30 years earlier and is like yeah. retired and dying. Yeah, now. yeah, I remember that. And at the end, like they arrest him. And you get a shot of the old police officer like staring at the, the headline and just putting it down and crying because yeah. it's finally over. And I'm like, that was Matt Casamassina <laughs> <laughs> that day on Tuesday. It was like they got him. They finally got him. Metroid Dread yep. is in jail now. And it's funny, Matt. Now, like he worked at Apple for yeah, was, a while. He was all over the now place. he works at like some indie publisher. Like he just bailed on games journalism. Yeah. Well, I mean, most people do. Yeah, they do. I'm surprised that he did though because he was the first. He couldn't. I don't think he was the first Jason Schreier. Let's yeah, be honest. but also he, I don't, he had scoops out the ass. Right, but I also don't think anyone could turn down that Apple job he got. Yeah, he got a real good position. He there. did, and he left, and now he's he did a good job at, there too. He did, yeah. And now he's working at like it's not Raw Fury, but it's some mm. similar like similarly sized indie studio who is also having fun with the fact that he called this fifteen yes. years ago. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Uh, I love that stuff. Uh, so anyway, that's your number one pick, Metroid Dread. I wasn't surprised by that. If it wasn't going to be that, I figured it would be Elden Ring, which is why Elden Ring surprised me at number four for you. 
Um, and then you've probably figured out by now what my number one pick is as well. It is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. or what, I don't think it's going to be called that, by the way, because Nintendo has gone out of its way to call it the sequel to right. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Even so much so that like the file name that Nintendo named the file is the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath yeah. of the Wild. Well, they've never called, outside of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, they've never called a Zelda by a number. Yeah. Actually, I think I think Link to the Past was numbered in Japan. Was it? I want to say it was, it says, it's called like Legend of Zelda 3 or something yeah. in Japan. Isn't that way, smart not calling it Breath of the Wild 2 after the first one has done such good Yeah, I don't, I don't think you have any trouble. Yeah. Uh, letting people know what this is. Yeah. It's, it's pretty obvious. Um, they did show, you know, a good chunk of the game. They showed a bunch of new stuff that's going to be in the game um, while also letting you know that a lot of your favorite elements from the first one are going to remain and they're not going away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did everything that they should have done at E3 minus showing us a big chunk of the gameplay, but I think the reason that that happened is because the game's a long ways away. Like, I just... I wouldn't even be surprised if this game doesn't make it in 2022, Matt. I just wouldn't. I would. You would? I'll give you a free hint. This is my first pick in the fantasy draft next year. (laughs) You're crazy if this isn't your first pick. Okay. Well, we'll see. It's coming in 2022. I mean, we may have more information about it by then as well. Because here's the thing. They're not not showing stuff in this because they don't have it to show. They're not showing it because they're Nintendo and they know they don't have to until it's closer to release. Yeah. Um, All they had to do was say, it's coming. It's next year. Now shut up for a while. Like that's all, that's all this was. It's all you know. yeah. I'm excited by the new stuff that they showed. They didn't show a ton, but they did show some. No, Nintendo's very good at peppering in like, oh, that means this is a thing kind of right. in, in their yeah. stuff, even when they don't necessarily call it out. Yeah. So and you can go on Sifted. There's a great uh, video that we curated that gives hardcore analysis, like 15 minutes of analysis on a 45 second trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's the type of content you're looking for, you can find it on Sifted right now. Um, but yeah, they showed just enough old and new, uh, to be the perfect mix to get me hooked into it all over again. And I am like you, I am not the breath of the wild is the greatest game ever guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed it, but there were a lot of annoying things about it. I didn't like the weapon breaking stuff either. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't like the stamina meter in that game either. (laughs) Like the climbing meter and all that crap. Like I hated that. I didn't mind that so much, but what I did mind was like, if it rains, you are just going to stand there and wait. Yeah, stupid. Like Like, who... Who decides Dumb. that's a good Who thing to do in a game? fun? Like, I've seen people defend that shit. Well, that's what happens. When I go, no, it's not. No. I can <laughs> climb a wet rock. I promise you, better than Link in that game. When keeping it real goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I need, like, just a sample I can play for every time that's appropriate in the games industry. Yeah. It goes too far in some mm-hmm. ways. And hopefully they've listened to some yeah. feedback and adjusted some felt, of that stuff back. Like, some of that stuff to me feels weird in the sense that Nintendo has always been so much about, like, we don't care if it's realistic or what consistent even as long as it's fun. Oh, right. And there's a bunch of stuff in that it game that ain't fun. Yeah. It goes against the grain. Yeah. I agree. All right. So there you go. Those are our top 10 games from E3 2021. Uh, very quickly, we do have a handful of other games that we just wanted to kind of bring up and mention briefly. These, selfishly, were games that were right on the fringe of making the list for me but didn't make it. Um, Rainbow Six Extraction. Probably the game where my opinion changed the most on it from E3. Mm-hmm. I really had no interest in this game at all. I thought it was going to be a piece of junk. Um, as it turns out, it's out doing. It's out left for deading, back for blood. Like I am more excited to play Rainbow Six Extraction than I am to play Back for Blood, which is being made by the people who made Left for Dead. 
Um, am I crazy for feeling that way? I just feel like it has more innovation and more interesting ideas and mechanics in it than Back for Blood. Back for Blood really is just Left for Dead in mm-hmm. 2021. I feel like this is actually stretching the boundaries a little bit of what people expect from that subgenre. Um, I would like to reiterate my comments on Forza 5. Okay. Innovation doesn't mean good. Well, right. This didn't make my top 10. Right. But what I'm saying is like, Back for Blood might be a better experience because it is a refinement of something that works already very well. And this might be a collection of interesting ideas that doesn't gel. That's true. Or it could be the opposite. But before you put your hands on something, like all you can go on is what looks interesting to play. And it's kind of natural that something that you haven't had direct experience with is going to look more. I mean, yeah, this looks more interesting than Back for Blood right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I look at Back for Blood, I'm like, I played that. It also looks better than Back for Blood. It does visually look better. Yeah, it looks way, way better. Which was probably the biggest surprise is how good this game yeah. actually looks. And I'm also interested in, like, you know, Back for Blood is obviously kind of a pretty straightforward zombie thing. This has got weird, you know, these are aliens that are also zombies or some kind of plague thing. Um, there's also an element of, like, you know, like, I, as I've said before, like, I don't think calling this Tom Clancy or Rainbow Six is all that bizarre. Like, I think it's, it's you're expanding the brand in a way that sort of makes sense to me. But I am interested to see what they have done in the setting and the narrative of this to justify or make it feel like <laughs> right. Tom Clancy. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. all I Tom Clancy saying. stuff has like that element of it, uh-huh. that element kind of unites it in terms of like, and obviously they're making it part of the world because this is the Rainbow Siege, Rainbow Six Siege characters. Yeah. But like, I'm just interested in how you fit something this fantastical into what is a detail obsessed, like military fetish franchise. Don't and I feel like, they, way, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they're going to do it. And it feels like the whole do research to find out new tech to, Hurt them more is very much in that vein. I'm just interested. I, I'm I'm actually kind of interested in the world building for once in a Rainbow yeah. Six game. So That's it's invigorating. Yeah. Next up, a game that I don't quite get why everyone's freaking out about it is called Replaced. It is a 2D pixel art driven action adventure. Everyone's flipping out about this game for some reason. It has just gone over my head, but I felt like I should mention it today because. It's getting so many accolades from so many people. Folks are really excited about it. I struggle to see why. Um, I was hoping maybe you had picked up on something about it that... Not really. I mean, it looks cool. I, I mean, I like the art style and all. Yeah, it would never have entered my head as like... One this of my is like being picks. heralded as like the the indie game from E3 2021 by a lot of people. Um, and I'm, right. I'm like, it looks cool. It's like a cyberpunk 80s action adventure, but like... So a lot of the combat looks like really slow and awkward to me. I feel like I'm missing something about this game mm-hmm. that other people have picked up on. But maybe like I don't know. Like I didn't. This didn't stick in my head really. Yeah, I uh, for me either. But everyone else, it's like the indie game that everyone's talking about for me. Like I'm not against. Like it looks cool, and I you know this is the kind of got some like sort of like weird flippy stuff, and the aesthetics are great. Um, I do kind of feel like I need to see more of it. Yeah. Before I like get particularly excited about it but i like what i like what's here yeah. it just it just it looks cool it but it also feels it feels like i don't know we've seen a lot of proof of concept sort of trailer things for indie stuff that uh never materializes yeah they don't end um, up being as slick as they appear yeah. to be when you first see them yeah here's the indie game that really caught my eye it's a game called fire girl it is you are a female firefighter and you, it's like a side-scrolling action adventure. It's got a little bit of, like, Super Mario Sunshine in it. Um, your job is to go into a fire, rescue X number of people who need rescuing within a time limit, and then get out. Hmm. Um, it's 
seems like a very simple concept, but if you start watching the trailer, you start to realize that there's a bunch of other elements in it. There's like a whole base building part of it. Mm. There's a recruiting part of it where you recruit people. On a little the... bit of Luigi's Mansion to it. There is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of like Luigi's Mansion crossed with Super Mario Sunshine. And Burning Rangers. Yeah, <laughs> See, absolutely. Um, this one caught my eye. No one else is talking about it. And I don't want to talk about it for a long time because it is just kind of a smaller indie game. Uh, but just one to maybe keep an eye on. If you're a big indie gamer, maybe give it a follow on Sifted. Again, to do that, just go to a game's page and click the little gear next to its title and choose follow. And then everything that we curate from that game will appear at the top of your Sift until you go and turn it off. But anyway, that's kind of the indie game that really caught my eye from E3. Uh, next up, Matt, Halo Infinite. Didn't make our, either of our top tens. They focus on the multiplayer. It was probably 11 for me. But what they showed just wasn't all that exciting. Like, even no. the multiplayer stuff, I didn't see a ton of, like, changes to what they had been doing before. I mean, obviously, it's free to play. That's the big change. Right. Everyone's going to be able to play it. Um, and it does look like they're handling the free-to-play stuff pretty well. Like, there's not going to be any pay-to-win or anything like of that in the game. At least that's what they're saying right now. Um, but I just struggled watching this to be like, okay, why would I play this versus just playing Halo 5 multiplayer? Which is also really good, I would add. Because um, more people are playing this, I guess. There will be, because it's free to play and everyone yeah. can just jump in and play it. But I'm just saying, looking at the features of it, I kind of struggled to find anything really unique about it. Like, I watched, like... I mean, the... Presumably it'll look better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It could be running on Series X. Um, and I'm going to play it, obviously, just like everybody else. But I don't know what it t- it's going to take for me to get really excited about Halo multiplayer again. I, just I don't know. Don't. Oh, in general, this game has got a long uphill battle for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm more interested in the campaign, or if mm-hmm. they're going to finally make a campaign, I care about playing for the first time since Reach. But uh, that was not to be at the I don't C3. feel like I'm alone here. I mean, you didn't no. put it in your top ten either. No. Like, it, there weren't a lot of people. There wasn't a lot of chatter around this game coming out of the show. There just wasn't. I it was never. It was never even. It never even entered my mind. Yeah. To put it I on think the they're just 10. struggling to create excitement around the game. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be true of Halo no matter what at this point. But it's doubly true now that they blew it last year. With, well, then the only thing they show like. from the single player is basically Cortana being replaced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they show a cinematic, and that's all it is. Cortana's dead. Here's your new AI. It Who'd... did at least look better. Oh yeah. Than but, what they showed before. I mean, it was just a little cutscene in a room, though. Yeah, but go back and look at the cutscenes in, the, in know, the other one. I know. It's a big difference. <laughs> it's... I don't know what's going to happen with this game, Matt. I don't I... know. It's. It's not tracking the way it should be. I'll nope. tell you that much. And like, I gotta sit there and wonder, like, if it doesn't, if it doesn't hit, is that Halo? Is that it? You can't just, you can't just cash in Halo. You'd you can't. think, but like, then what? I think just the fact that the multiplayer is free to play is going to guarantee that mm-hmm. it has some kind of a hold. Right, but where's the revenue stream? Cosmetics, battle passes. Yeah, I guess it's. All right. How how the mighty have fallen. Um, next up, Stalker 2. Which are you more excited for, Matt? Stalker 2 or Halo Infinite? Is, isn't it bizarre? We mm. have to even ask that question. I mean, Stalker 2, probably even though I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Stalker games, I find them a little slow and arcane for me. Um, it's just... I, I kind of what you said about how oppressive the world of uh, uh, Dishonored is. I was going to make that Stalker comparison. is kind of like that, yeah. where it's like, I don't enjoy being here. Yeah. Like, it's compelling, and it's cool what, I, what they're doing, but, like, 
Stalker is not a fun game, yeah. really. It's, this game seemed to come out of the show with a good bit of hype. I'm not sure why. I, think I mean, this it's pretty. Is gonna, I like, think there's a decent chance that this is, this is like, um, you know, weird Euro series, niche Euro series makes it big in the mainstream just because of the exposure this is going to get. It is getting a lot of exposure. Stalk, the first Stalker game never got this much love no. from anyone. Um, I'm, I don't know, I'm pretty lukewarm on it. It reminds me of like Metro, Last Light, all those games. Yeah, and those games, like I just am not a huge fan of them. Yeah, I mean, I like them. I like this. It's just sort of like you know, it's one of those things where you, um, like, what you see in this trailer is all very interesting and cool. But like, once you get your hands on it, and it's like, okay, the actual beginning of the game is you got to go in here, and then you run out of food, and now you don't know where you need to go. And yeah. now it's like you, you Metro did, games are like that. You yeah. watch a trailer, you're like, this looks awesome, and you start playing it, and like thirty minutes later, you're like yawning. Like yeah. I. I mean, who knows? They could change it up for this game. Just my experience based based with this studio. Yeah. and uh, I mean, it's, you can games. get the old Stalker games pretty cheap um, and mod them to hell and back with, like, recommended mods and give yeah. it a try and see what you think. Like, they're, they're – if you, if you haven't played them – I mean, there are people that consider the Stalker games the best things ever made. Yeah, like, I know. You, you, know, you might be missing out on one of your favorite games and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not one of mine, but it is pretty neat to see it sort of giving given the spotlight the way this is being given yeah and partly i think because it's going to be one of the first ones ready of all the things that microsoft has acquired but it still counts yeah absolutely does uh let's see next up big shocker hellblade 2 Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't at the show but it did appear in a post-show event that microsoft did and they talked to ninja theory and ninja theory said that the game hasn't even gone into full production how is that possible it's not like they're this gigantic studio no. that has, like, three projects in the works at once, and while they're, like, finishing one, the other one's put on the back burner. Like, this is what they're doing. It sounds like they might have uh, maybe started over a bit. It does. Because yeah. originally they were sort of hinting that there was going to be a launch window. Right. And nope. So that game was MIA, and then discouraging news about it afterwards. Next up, Psychonauts 2. That game's coming soon. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have much of a focus at Microsoft's press event. Were you surprised no. by that at all? No, I mean, that's, I do, as much as I love Psychonauts, that is kind of a niche thing. It's a known quantity, too. Yeah. We've seen it so many times at this point. And it's backed on fig. You know, it's, it's a different beast. Yeah. Did you have this close to making your top 10? Thought about it. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I wasn't as psyched about this game. Uh, I wasn't as psyched about. <laughs> I didn't this. even get that. No, I, didn't, you... I didn't mean to do that. Um, I wasn't as psyched about this game after this A3 as I was after I saw it in person at, at, in 2019. So it's, it's starting just... to look a little long in the tooth. A tad. Like yeah. it looks really good in comparison to the first one. Right. Like, but you know, now that we're seeing all this next gen stuff, it looks really low poly and it's yeah, starting to look a little bit like an indie game. I wouldn't say that at all. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I also don't give a shit yeah. about what is supposed to be next gen. Yeah. Like, it looks good. The art direction is what it should be. It looks way better than the original game, which is like 15 years old at this point. Yeah. I think it looks great. I think it looks like as it should be. Um, but it's just, I've already seen it. I, I sat through a 25-minute demo of it yeah. two years ago. We, um, we've all seen Give me the game yep. already. I guess, it's coming I guess, soon. Showing a trailer isn't going to get me excited about it now. Like, I've already seen – I've seen too much. I'm, I'm Patrick Stewart and extras. I've already seen it all. Yep. Uh, next up, Dying Light 2. There seems to be some 
conflicting reports about whether this was actually at E3 or not, which is why I left it off my list because I wasn't, I didn't see it at E3. We got the blowout of the game before E3 started, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it pop up in anyone's presentation or anything. Yeah, I didn't either. And some people said that they did see it a couple places, but I I didn't see it myself. I saw the the earlier stuff they showed from a few weeks ago, but I didn't see it as part of E3 proper. Yep. Currently slated for December 7th release, yeah. um, which would be awesome. It would be great to, great to kind of bring up the rear of 2021 with a game like this. I'm excited for it. I just honestly wasn't sure that it was at E3 at all. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Vincent saying Dying Light 2 is at the PC gaming show. Okay. Yeah. So it was there. Um, that explains why I didn't see that. Exactly. Yeah, because that show was just loaded. It was like any of the other shows that weren't official publisher shows. Mm-hmm. Each one of them had like typically one game we're seeing. Some of the some of them had two, and then the rest in the middle was mostly just indie stuff. So I didn't check out a lot of those. So I definitely missed the showing in the PC Gamer Show. Uh, next up, another indie game that's getting a lot of love, Somerville. Um, mm. I'm not sure I know why this game's getting a lot of love either. I thought this looked boring. Yeah. Um, but it's on a lot of people's when lists. I, when it's I talked about how, like, chatter. if you're working on a sad person going through a depressing world indie game, you might want to stop now. This is the game I was thinking of when I was making fun of that. Yep. Um, I mean, at least they're innovating here by having the whole family go through the sad yeah. world <laughs> as opposed to normally, which is when the rest of the family's dead and one of them's alive going through the sad yeah. world. But <laughs> It's a group effort this yeah. time. <laughs> we can all be sad together. Yeah. It does look like another sad indie game yeah, where you're trying like, to discover like, why yeah, you're sad. Yeah, like, I liked Inside too, but let it go. Yeah. And it also looks like a puzzle platformer with sadness. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of people seem to be all over it. It's not all that exciting to me. Um, let's see. Then there was Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, shown kind of out of nowhere by Ubisoft. A lot of people surprised that they would show this game before the films, but as it turns mm-hmm. out, it's its own sort of <laughs> universe that this is happening. Mm-hmm. It's not related to the films is what I gathered after the show was over. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's using elements assets and stuff, in there yeah. and stuff but like yeah makes, but you're not going to learn about the plot of the films no. by playing this or watching it makes this. more sense that like you would separate it from the films so like you know it, you, you free them up to make a make a game to the, make the game to be what it needs to be you're not beholden to the movie you're not beholden to the movie's release date more yeah. importantly like it uh you know and and really when it comes down to it um the the star of avatar is the world yeah, because no one remembers the stupid story, right? So or like, the characters. It makes sense to make a game that's just like put you on Pandora, call it a day, check it out. Great, yep. Yep. cool. The world is interesting. I'm more interested in this than I am in Avatar Two. I'll tell you that. <laughs> tell you that much for well, free. While we keep waiting and waiting to get a look at the films, um, I was surprised still because he's just so protective. It seems like over this IP mm-hmm. that he would let Ubisoft do this, but. You Ubisoft must had already announced it, and I mean, the announcement was. Well, you must be pretty happy with with what they're doing if you yeah. decide to let them do that. Yes, seems like it. Uh, next up, game I'm very excited about: WarioWare. Get it together! The next WarioWare game. You can actually play this game cooperatively, which I can't wait to figure out how the hell they do that. Um, I can't even fathom playing older WarioWare games together, other than imagining that I would be really frustrated with the person who I'm playing with. This is also one of those games where. Once you learn the mini game, a lot of the fun is kind of gone from it um, because it's like once you learn how to solve it, mm-hmm. it, you don't have much left to it. And so playing with somebody else, maybe that all becomes like I can do it in two seconds instead of four. Yeah, that might extend the life of the of the, the game yeah. a little bit, which 
you know, maybe a smart thing to do. Uh, the mini games do look funny already and completely avant-garde and bizarre, which to me is the wheel the yeah. wheelhouse for WarioWare. Also, I guess like if, even if you have done all of them, they're over too fast for you to be tired of them. That's true. Yeah, I, I love like, this by the series. time you're like, oh, I've done this so much. It's over. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's too much. <laughs> oh, I've done this too. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's, that's it. <laughs> You're done. If you haven't played Wario yet, go buy one of the other games cheap. I'm sure you can find one for dirt cheap at this point. Uh, but I think you get the gist just watching this montage. Of I bet you games. can't. I bet they're really? all like $100 Really? Now. Wario so? games? Yeah. Wow. I would have never guessed that. They're out of print Nintendo games. Of course they're valuable. Wow. I'm glad I have them. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, but I am excited for this. It didn't come close to making my top 10 because they are. it is kind of a disposable game. You play it once, and it's really hard to kind of go back and play it again. Um, but it's really fun for that first time. And then the final game we want to talk about from E3 2021 is Mario Plus Rabbids. What the hell is the subtitle for this called again? It's called Spark of the Something or Other. <laughs> uh, spark of Sparks of Hope. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. Um, this did this come close to making your top ten? No, I didn't actually think of this really. Oh, okay, well that shows you. <laughs> I I never finished the original. It's a slick game. It was more challenging than I expected. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if lots of kids were able to get through that game. Um, the first handful of hours were kind of what I expected, and then it just suddenly became very challenging, and I had to start replaying them over and over again, and I think I ended up getting distracted with some other game and just never went back and finished it off. Um, not denying that it was a high-quality, great strategy game, mm-hmm. um, but for whatever reason, I had to put it down, and I never managed to go back to it. Um but yeah, this is a Switch exclusive. This isn't coming until 2022, though, so it's still a ways off. Um, yeah. It's going to be hard for me to put an XCOM-style game in my top ten, unless it was the XCOM Marvel game, which what happened to that? Did they ever show it? No. I never, they never got a trailer for it. No. Nope. It was like one of the big leaks before E3 happened, and we never got any footage or any trailers for it. Because Take Two, <laughs> I don't know if you saw what their event was. It was literally a Zoom call. That's what Take mm-hmm. Two's mm-hmm. E3 event was, a Zoom call. And so that's probably why we never got to see um, the game that we were all excited to see. And people, that's E3 2021. What struck me the most about going through this exercise of picking 10 games was realizing how many few alternates there were. Mm-hmm. Honestly, when it's all said and done, there are like 22 like big-time games at E3 2021. Or maybe it was 21. 21 at 21. It just really was lacking in, like, those big, earth-shaking announcements. There just weren't that many. Um, despite all the press conferences, this is what we just showed you guys, our two top tens, and then those alternates, which I guess there's, what, like, eight or nine of them? That's pretty much the bulk of E3. We haven't left out, like, if you just watched only this show. So let's say you were out of the country during E3 week, and you only watched this episode of Game Face. You know everything from E3 right now. Like, we haven't really left out no. anything. Like, Razor has something going on. Like, that's what we're talking about as far as what we haven't mentioned. So, yeah, I think the grades we gave E3 are fair. Like, especially after you do this and you kind of look at everything as a whole, that's kind of where we're at. So, there you go. Those are our top 10 picks for not best games of E3, the games that made us most excited at E3 2021. Mm-hmm. We can find a bunch of ways to dance around it editorially to say that it's not the best games of E3. Uh, and also, before we go, here is a look at our teams. Or not our teams, but our top 10. Mm. It's easy to kind of lose 
site of everything when you're going game by game. Is there anything on there that now you're seeing the list that kind of stands out for you? No. Yeah. Me either. I mean, still, I, I still Breath agree. of the Wild at six, I think for most people, is going to make their eyes get big. But yeah, well, I, I can, obviously knowing you, I completely they can, understand. Uh, they can keep getting big. Yeah. So I poke them in the eye, <laughs> and, I, and then I'll call it. Uh, I'll call it emergent gameplay. <laughs> but anyway, there are. Two oh, I, bro- of- I broke your eye. I guess you go better go get another one. <laughs> That's game design, right? Yeah. Breaking the thing that you use all the time, and then getting another one to replace it. Yeah. I think you can see our tastes and our personalities a little bit in those lists mm-hmm. relative to each other's. But still, obviously, like eight, I think, of the games are on both lists. So yeah, Apparently eight and three are... Uh, yeah, where we, the, the, where we meet our... We have our synergy, the, apparently. The grange points of... Uh, <laughs> the cross-sections of, the of our minds. Okay. It's time to move on to our award section for E3, as it were. We basically just have a couple fun categories. In fact, we just have four... Um, and none of them are best whatever. Uh, they're just our fun ones. The first one is best graphics. We agreed on this one. Yeah, this is not. This is very easy, it, and you can probably guess it too. It's Forza Horizon Five. Yeah, literally just gobsmacking what they showed at E3. Yeah, I, mean, I guess you could have said Flight Simulator, but that's already out. Yeah, that's been out for a while. It's not exciting to talk about. Um, this, as Matt said earlier when we were discussing it, is kind of the other game after Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart that you see. And you're like, oh, yeah, like that's mm-hmm. that's something that's going to run on Xbox Series X or PS5. In this case, obviously, exclusive to Series X. Um, just stunning, honestly. Do, watching this game on a stream doesn't do it justice. Watching this game in 1080p doesn't do it justice. Watching it on my 4K TV at home absolutely does. It just, everything about it, it's next-gen racing. It's what I wanted to see from Forza Horizon, and it's exactly what we're getting um, and this series is just great. Well, obviously, we all know that the gameplay in this franchise is just already nailed down airtight. Um, but, yeah, this category is all about how does the game look. Well, I would also argue, too, Matt, that we don't know how a lot of these games looked because a lot of the trailers we saw were CG. Mm-hmm. They show us tons of gameplay, tons of in-game footage for this. I thought it was yep. an easy pick. And I wasn't surprised that both of us chose it as well. Um, next up. Best trailer. We also agree on this one. Yeah. And this is also a very easy pick. It's the Outer Worlds 2. Um, we didn't really talk about this earlier, and I intentionally led the discussion away from it because I knew we needed to talk about it here. Um, the trailer for this game, and you, I know you can't hear it, but it breaks the fourth wall. It essentially makes fun of all other video game trailers. Like, there's this shot where you can see the back of the main character, and they explain... And here we're showing you the silhouette of the main character because he's not done yet. Mm. And then for this part, there's like, here's a massive creature that may not be in the game. Like, they basically just take the piss out of video game trailers and how things are shown at E3 while doing it themselves at the same time. It's just brilliant. Um, It helps that it's a game that I'm really excited for. It helps that it looks interesting. Um, Yeah, to me, the clear winner for best trailer of E3 2021. Do you have any other alternates to kind of... Maybe you were considering Matt. Nope. Yeah, me either. It was like, an easy. This is the pick. only memorable trailer in the whole <laughs> show, really. I don't know. I thought Redfall's trailer was pretty good. How they hey. did kind of like they did the time jumps and like went. It was like okay, this is where they're at. This is how they got there, and I this guess. is how they solved I don't know. it. I, I I don't dislike Redfall, but I didn't find that particularly compelling. Okay. Um, I might not have found that as compelling if I didn't already play the first one, of course. Yep, that's true. Except I know what they're selling me there. Yep. 
Next up, biggest surprise. Matt, yours was? Metroid Dread. Yeah. Sure. I mean. Just that they did anything. This was my runner. I don't have, I do not have the same thing. This was my runner up. But once you selected it, I was like, okay, I'm going to go with my other choice just so we have something to talk Mm -hmm. about differently between the two of us. Definitely a huge surprise. Not so much that there was a 2D Metroid, at least yeah. for me, it's that it was Metroid Dread. Like and it was a combination of like certainly I expected Mercury's team was working on another 2D right. Metroid. Yeah, but it's we had sort talked of, about that for weeks. Yeah, it's a combination of like it's actually coming out this year. They did it for the anniversary year. And that it actually is Metroid Dread. I mean, I did mention Metroid Dread before. You did. Uh, the, you did. The you actually specifically mentioned Metroid Dread yeah. before the, the press conference. And yeah. then, booyah, there, there it is. is. Yep. Um, and again, like, you guys may not realize it depending on how old you are, but this game has been like an urban legend in mm-hmm. games journalism circles for almost two decades. Um, people were like, I mean, a lot of people would just assume Matt was wrong. Let's be honest. Like, a lot yeah. of people, because he talked about it for a really long time. And it turns out. He was right all along. Um, wow. I mean, it's been in cold storage for like 11 years. And yeah, but his scoop back then was right. Oh, he yeah, hasn't, of course. He hasn't continued to beat the drum all 15 I have years. never understood why people thought that he made it up or whatever. Like, yeah. that, Metroid Dread was an, admitted by Nintendo. was definitely an internal project because no one was ever supposed to know about it outside of Nintendo. Well, the reason people doubted him is because it was <laughs> it took 15 years for it to show up. Yeah. Well, things that cancel. The other part, too, that, is it, that to me has always just seemed like you guys just seem like you don't know how the industry works at that point. Like things get canceled and you never hear about them. Yeah. In this case, you did hear about it and you think it doesn't exist because of that? And, no. And let's be honest, Matt. Nintendo fans are a little different. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a word for it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We'll just we'll just move on from there. Um. <laughs> my biggest surprise, I chose Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, be- that is a big shocker. Like yeah. I, that was not. Um, I wouldn't have been. On my list of predictions, if you gave me a week to come up with them. And look, we knew Ubisoft was working on it. They had mm-hmm. announced it already. Oh, yeah. Just the idea that Cameron will let this be really the first big media of anything new app, new from the Avatar franchise in forever. Is yeah. I was flabbergasted that they showed this. Because also a big part of what's going on in the media right now is the fact that he won't show anything from the right. films. That he's been shooting them for years. And, like, there's all these stories about all the... You know, the shooting that's been done, all these on-set stories, and we still have not seen a frame of the film. So I was shocked to know that he would allow Ubisoft to kind of debut the next wave of Avatar at his press conference. And look, they've had a cushy relationship for a while, even so. This was a big shocker to me. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say this. The shock was sanded down a little bit when we found out that this wasn't actually based on the film, that it is kind of its own thing. Um, but still, that's a big, big deal for him yeah. to allow something like this to it's be. Still, it's still a power move yeah. for Ubisoft. Absolutely. So that was my biggest surprise. And then finally, we're going to end it with a nefarious quote-unquote award. The most disappointing thing, moment, whatever from E3 2021. Matt, you go first. Um, this one, uh, I'm, I'm probably developing a reputation on this one. Uh, but i, I got to go with Final Fantasy Origin. <laughs> And uh, or stranger, strangers of paradise, or whatever the hell. The you think they're going to drop that title before the game comes out? No, it's the top of the logo. It's the main logo. Is I stranger still think of they paradise. may drop it or reverse it. So it's I, Final I think Fantasy they should Origin. drop a whole lot <laughs> in, of this game. Um, I have not played this yet. I downloaded the demo. I have not played it yet. I did play the. I played the demo for like fifteen minutes, and I deleted it because I didn't want it on my hard drive anymore. That bad. Um, I think it's 
garbage. Wow. I think it's absolute dog shit. <laughs> um, and the thing yeah. is, like, it's disappointing to me because the idea of a Souls-inspired game set in Final Fantasy, particularly with this idea of, like, retelling the Warriors of Light story. Yeah. That's got a lot of potential. Yeah. It ain't this. And it's the, <laughs> u- it's the usual Final Fa- modern Final Fantasy thing of just, like, we could have done just, like, a, a cool action game, but instead we're just going to pile system on system on system on system and throw it all at you in a tutorial, and it's just going to be, like, irritating as hell to sort of, like, hack your way through it and figure out what's important and what's not. And I just got done. I was just done with it I, after, like, the first, like, five or six fights. I was like, this is I, this is boring. This is annoying to me. Okay. I well, got, I'm still going to give it a go, and we're going to talk oh about yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead and give it a go. It's free. <laughs> might as well. But, like, on a, on a PlayStation, on my PlayStation 5, where space is at a premium, you do not get to stay, sir. You 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 go in the bin with chaos. You've been kicked off the island. <laughs> chaos is not here for you. <laughs> well, we will talk about this game a little more in depth on Tuesday, because I am going to play it over the weekend and give it a go, and we'll see if my opinions align with Matt's. It's I have just, a feeling they probably will. Yeah, it's and just presentationally, like it's it's embarrassing. Really? Like, it's, it's like in what way? The 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 acting and the writing and just like who the, the characters and the, how they how they behave. It's just it's just. The worst kind of cringy, weird, Namora shit. This is the usual thing. It's like, so it's as bad as a trailer, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, because the trailer yeah. was embarrassing. I mean, it's the same section covered by the trailer oh, for the okay. most part. Got you. Uh, but it's like the weird prompto guy babbling to the guy's left, and the other guy has like a weird kind of Cajun accent or something. It's just awful. Dang. Like it's it's the opposite of anything I would ever want to play. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, the most disappointing thing was. The Switch Pro didn't show up. And I'm mm. sure if you talk to people over at Bloomberg, they'll agree with me on that one. Because <laughs> hot damn. Yeah, they were, they were leaning into that one, weren't they? I actually didn't go check, like, Schreier's Twitter feed or anything to see if he added any commentary to that or not. Um, I'll say this. My trust in Bloomberg's reporting isn't the same anymore mm-hmm. um, after that. That's how it works. It's like if you report stuff and it comes true, faith is built. If you report stuff and it doesn't come true, you lose a little faith. And so I'm not, you know, just taking everything Bloomberg reports now as fact. Um, I'm going to consider it a little bit more before I just assume it is. And look, the track record for them has been great so far. But this was a huge miss, Matt. Yeah. I mean, I do think the the new hardware revision exists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't exist at all. But they were like, it's like debuting at E3. It may come before that. And I I also believe that, like, that probably was the plan when they reported that, but clearly something changed. Maybe Breath of the you know, Breath of the Wild 2's release date would be my guess. Yeah, it could. Be. I think they are putting that hardware out alongside Zelda, and Zelda is going to set the t- set the beat. Yeah, so it makes sense. The last one was a yeah. bridge game. It bridged the Wii U and the Switch. It makes perfect sense that the it's next a, one. It's a hardware seller guaranteed. Like yep. especially if you say it looks better, it runs better on the new system. Yep. Like yeah, yeah. Still a big disappointment, though. I was oh, yeah. excited to check out the Switch Pro or whatever it ends up being. We called. got a little bit of advance like a day before the direct. Like word yeah. started to circulate that the Switch, the new Switch, wasn't in there, which yeah. I still believe is going to be called the Super Nintendo Switch. I think that's a better name than Switch Pro. Yeah, I would well, be Pro, I think that. Pro is just the default we've gone with because that's what the PlayStation was called. But there's no way, there's no way Nintendo's calling their system the same thing PlayStation called theirs. So when do you think we're going to get the announcement of the Switch Super Nintendo Switch? Um. I'm going to say that's near the end of this year. You think they'll show it this year? Uh, I, it, I, whenever Breath of the Wild is ready to be blown out and given an actual release date, you will see the Switch, the new Switch alongside it. Okay. That would be my guess. That seems fair to me. 
makes sense to me. Maybe that's like November, December. Maybe it's at uh, the Game Awards. Yeah. Maybe it's at the end of January. You know, who knows? Yep. Somewhere in there. Okay. To finish off. Or maybe you're right and Breath of the Wild slipped to next November and we won't see it till next E3. Who knows? That would really suck. Um, so that's our look at E3. But before we wrap things up, we do predictions for stuff. And when we get them right, I wouldn't say we gloat. We will toot our own horn here and there. We'll be like, I called it or whatever. We don't go on Twitter and be like, I called that MFers or anything like that. No. But here on Game Face, we'll be like, I got that right. But like, it's worth remembering forever that I called that Suicide Squad shit years ago. Oh, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Years. Yeah, years. Literally years before it was ever announced. Um, so when we get stuff right, we'll mention it. But I think also... If, if we're going to be honest and fair, when we get stuff wrong, we need to own it as well. And I will just say this, Matt. Our E3 predictions were pretty much terrible. Yep. <laughs> Across the board. They In were... a couple places, I'm glad they were terrible. Yeah, yeah. But, but yes. ultimately, we were really wrong. Uh, we're just going to go through them really quickly. We're not going to browbeat each other over these. Uh, Matt's first prediction for Microsoft was that Hellblade 2 gameplay would be premiered at E3. We Which seemed fact, reasonable until we found out that it's what we not even out. in full yeah, production. Not even, haven't even started. <laughs> That's really. crazy. I don't know how that could be. It makes perfect sense that you would see the first gameplay of Hellblade 2 there. Instead, we find out they haven't really started it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I don't know what's going on there with Ninja Theory. I mean, they got to be working on something else. Yeah. Or they're probably. assisting like another internal team on something. Something's going on there. They haven't. They should have had gameplay of Hellblade Two. Yeah, maybe maybe they're building like all the new Microsoft acquisitions are building some kind of infrastructure together to like. It could be. There's something kind of, funky there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, my Microsoft prediction was that both Forza games would release this holiday season. And to be honest with you, Matt, I did not think Forza Horizon was the wild card in that. I thought, or I thought that Forza Motorsport was not the wild card that Horizon would be because we had already seen Forza Motorsport. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if anything's going to blow my prediction, it's going to be Horizon. But it's been three years since Horizon came out, so that's coming out too. And as it turns out, Horizon is the one coming out. Forza mm-hmm. Motorsport completely disappeared. And I don't think they even... Actually, I don't even know if this is completely wrong yet. Because I don't think they've said yet that Motorsport has been delayed out of 2021. I think most people would agree that that's probably yeah, the case. I don't think they're going to put two of them out in one quarter like that. I thought they were because they not. showed this one so long ago and it, it just disappeared. It wasn't nah, an this, E3 at all. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to put those right on top of each other like that. Um, and I did. I think in the pre, the run up to the show, you did ask what I thought. I, I said Horizon was, yeah. was your no brainer for this because it's a more accessible and popular thing. Yeah, I figured it was uh, going to be the other way around, but... Motors, motorsport, we, we don't know anything about Motorsport. They never gave it a, a release date that I remember. Didn't Not, really give it a name either. No, I mean, I'm sure it's just Forza Motorsport 8. Or, or they might just call it Forza Motorsport and stop putting Rebooted. numbers on it. Yeah, which would probably um, be smart. But I would I would guess that'd be sometime next year. Yeah. It was shown a long time ago, but yeah. So yeah, I was but wrong the thing there. about, you know, just like Gran Turismo, those the big sim entries can take as long as they got to take. You know, yep. those things go on and on and on. And then I had a bonus prediction that Xbox would win E3 handily. Um, so that's wrong. No, it didn't uh, didn't get ever wild. I don't even so. know if it would even w- won. Like, I honestly, no, I, mean, I, I gave Nintendo a higher Yeah, my Nintendo rating. rating was higher, so probably Nintendo. I was Nintendo wrong. disappointed me the least. Let's just go with that. <laughs> that's one that? way to put it. Uh, and let's see, for Nintendo predictions, Matt, your prediction was that a Twilight mm-hmm. Princess and Wind Waker combo would be announced and that there would be no Metroid at all. 
Yep. So if I was going to be wrong about anything, I'm glad I was wrong. I'm glad you were wrong about Metroid. Yeah. I'm, that's the thing. Like some of these, you're actually glad that you end up being mm-hmm. wrong. Um, and then I was wrong as well. My Nintendo prediction was the first real Metroid Prime 4 trailer would be shown. Um, in the second part, still not 100% mm-hmm. wrong, but probably. And that I don't was. Know. A, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I mean, really? obviously, obviously, you're not. You're not right in the sense they didn't announce a March third release right, date, right? Or a March release date, yeah. but it could still. Happen. I wouldn't bet against it. Yet. So my other prediction was that Breath of the Wild two would be released. It would be announced that it was going to come on March third, exactly five years after the first game, and we didn't get that either. And then our predictions for third-party games or PC games. Matt, yours was that EA will announce a new Star Wars game. Which, again, could still be true because they're not doing their thing till the end of July. But yeah. uh, we didn't know that at the time we made the prediction. Yeah. I still, they, they, they definitely have a new Star Wars thing up their sleeve. Oh, yeah. I, look, form, I think but. Respawn is working on a sequel to Fallen Order oh, that's right now. known. That's definitely known. Yeah. But I think there's either they show that or something else. Yeah, they could have shown that easily. They could have had a trailer for that, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't happen because EA completely buggered out and wasn't even at E3. Mm-hmm. Just Battlefield. Yep. And then my prediction for third-party slash PC was that we would get to see the first trailer for Street Fighter Six. Capcom was a total shit show. So Mm -hmm. they didn't. We really struck out on our E3 predictions. Usually we get at least like a handful of them right. Not so this year. We did not do well, unfortunately. I'm going to blame Capcom for all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Because they made us come in here and set everything up. I had like no sleep because I'd been working all night the night before. And we come in here and it was just awful. Their press event. It's press event. Um, So anyway... Hopefully you guys appreciate at least a little bit that we're going to call ourselves out when we're wrong. And I hope we don't gloat too much when we're right. I don't think that we do. But if we do, this segment was for you. Hmm. (laughs) Just call it ourselves out. So that's it. That's our look at E3 2021 and our coverage of E3 2021. Um, We're going to do a big Q&A because we have some time left here. Send you guys off into the weekend right. Um, But before we do that, we're going to listen to... We're not going to watch the end of the show. We're not going to watch the show close. We're going to listen to a word from our sponsor, DeShazer Ryan Realty. And we'll be right back to take your questions. It's time to find out why everyone is buying homes in Montana. DeShazer Ryan Realty has a totally remodeled four-bedroom, three-bath home for sale in Libby, Montana. Nestled next to the mountains on Libby Creek, this split-level home features almost 3,300 square feet of living space. It includes a fully finished basement, a two-car garage, a barn, a shop, and much more. There's a covered back porch just off the kitchen, so you can enjoy your morning coffee the way nature intended. At $479.9, it's an absolute steal. They're selling homes as fast as they can list them. So if you're interested, do not hesitate to call Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643. Even if you don't live in Montana, you can contact the professionals at DeShazer Ryan Realty and they can help you with property in your area. For more, head to DeShazerRyanRealty.com. That's DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Okay, let's get into some Q&A. It's so good to be back into the studio. Matt's here, so we don't have to use the computer over here for his Zoom calls anymore. We can actually use it for chat. I don't have to squint at the iPad anymore. We can both read your questions off of a computer monitor in here. It makes things a lot easier. Um, let's see what we got. 
Uh, ETH Demon, what do you think of how Microsoft handled E3 splitting press conferences in two parts? A show that mostly just trailers and a dev showcase a few days later where they dive deeper seems like the best of both worlds. Um, I don't have any issue with them splitting it up. No, I think you could have stood to tell me you were doing that at the end of the first one. Yeah, like it just kind of appeared like a phantom out of nowhere, mm-hmm. like a couple days after the show was over. I would also argue that you shouldn't wait two days to do that. Yeah, like, it feels like you could just do that right after. Right after, literally yeah. right after. Like they're like, look, we don't, we want this to be like peppy and fun, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna show trailers. And you want to stick around for the deeper stuff. If you're stuff, core, yeah. stick around, and we're gonna show you like more of what you of what you love. Like I think they could have handled it yeah, better. Yeah, I mean that's. Nintendo does it that way. Yeah. It seems like yeah, the treehouse started right up. I actually it was kind of cool that we could watch the Metroid Dread gameplay while we did Q and A with our users mm-hmm. after our Nintendo analysis. So I don't have any problem with them splitting it up. It was kind of how they split it up. Um, I also felt like they kind of buried the Hellblade two news in that yeah. other thing instead of mentioning. That was, it. That was a, a sneaky way to get away with saying that yeah. without without yeah. having to put it on the, on the center spotlight. Yeah, but to answer your other part of your question, best of both worlds, absolutely. Like, I think that's smart. I think you want, like, a really slick produced thing that most people are going to watch and then offer something a little more involved, a little deeper for the core, for your hardcore fans who really care about the details of every game. So mm-hmm. I think the concept is right. The execution was just a little off. Uh, Zet Saber Juno, do you think Metroid Dread will have a mechanic to counter the stalking robot when it catches you? such as a quick time event, defensive ability on cooldown. It'd be pretty annoying running circles around the room trying to figure out where I need to go next. I don't think it will. It doesn't seem to. I, you, you could always have an upgrade uh, later on where you get like one free hit or something. Yeah. Especially because I assume those robots are going to get more difficult to avoid as the, as the game goes on. You run into the tougher ones. Yeah. But uh, right now it just seems like they're doing like, you know, get away from it and get out of the room. Um because you can always backtrack if you really run out of ideas. Um, but generally, it's not that hard to find your way out of a room in Metroid. I mean, you could pretty much just, like, run out of the room yeah. and come back in and reset it. Yeah. Um, because um, the, the design of Metroid, the room-by-room room design of it, allows for kind of a little bit of cheesing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll admit it. I've done it in a lot of Metroid games. <laughs> I don't feel that bad about it. I think a lot of people do it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but, yeah, I think the nature of Metroid, I think it'll keep it. From getting too monotonous and yeah. silly, um, because it is kind of a room by room design. Yeah, and also it, it felt like the treehouse demo, like they were in, the guy, that guy was intentionally sticking in one place and showing how it will pursue you relentlessly. I don't think you're going to spend actually that much time running in circles around this thing in yeah. the actu- when you actually play the game. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, let's see, what other questions do we have? Um, Sneaky, Shalid, Shanake. I always love saying your name. <laughs> Who's going to win next year, GT or Forza? Forza. Yeah. Always. I mean, I haven't really enjoyed a Gran Turismo game in a long, long time. No. I'm just being honest. In part because Forza came along and showed you how it's done. Yeah. If I'm, it's, it's... Now I'll say this. Like, Forza Motorsport, It is. I do like it better than Gran Turismo, but not a ton. Yeah, like, I mean, there's a ceiling on how much I enjoy their hardcore kind of more... Driving sense. Driving obsession games versus yeah. like Horizon which is more of a, a arcadey take with yep. a little more personality. I don't always like that personality in the Horizon games, but like there's more there, there's a there's an appeal there. It's it's a little brighter. I think of it as a brighter colored game even yeah. though it kind of isn't, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's you know, you're running around open the world, you're running around like, you know, normal civilian streets, quote unquote, as opposed to Forza Motorsport which mostly takes place in tracks and, yeah. you know, professional settings. Yeah. And Gran Turismo Pretty much that way too. Yeah, it's mostly yeah. on tracks, more sterile environments. Uh, so yeah, it's 
It's Forza for me and Matt. Um, I don't know if you're asking that as a fan of Gran Turismo, but if you were, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Minority Games, any love for Shin Megami Tensei Five? It looks really great. Sure, looks like Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a known quantity. I'm a little disappointed, honestly, that it looks so much like the other games. Yeah, to, at the same time, like, it's the first, like, actual console entry in how long? Like, I think that's the problem, three? though. I feel like if you wait that long, well, I guess it's a double-edged sword. If you wait that long and it comes back and it's not what fans expect, is that mm. a problem? Or if you wait that long and it comes back and it's still the same damn game, I is think that it, a problem? I think it needs to be the same damn game. Really. Yeah. I think if you if you want to make something different, Shin Megami Tensei as a brand, just you make another subtitle. Yeah. You know, you make, you know, Devil Summoner or you make... Uh, uh, Digital Devil Saga, or you make uh, Rido versus the Army of the Dead, or whatever the hell that was. Um, there's a there's a lot of different uh, ways you can go with that, and but like just the straight up Shin Megami Tensei with a Roman numeral after it, like people expect it to be Demon Pokemon, and you better deliver. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean it's on my radar. Sure. I think yeah. maybe he's a little upset that we went through like. Our top tens, then our honorable mentions, and it still wasn't mentioned in there. I guess I can can understand that. Maybe it wasn't oversight on my part, and I didn't stack it in the yeah, show. It didn't occur to me that it wasn't in there. Okay. And I actually like those games. All right. Um, let's see if we got some more. Oh, Toast Nine. Matt Baldur's Gate Three supposedly not coming out this year. Oh wow. Is that? Did you hear that? That's conjecture. Oh, I didn't hear that. I mean, it was always possible that it wouldn't. Um, how do you feel about your fantasy draft? If true, I'm a little disappointed about my draft. I think everyone at this point is probably a little disappointed about their draft. Yeah, there's a lot of holes in, in everybody's draft. It's I a think. tough year. Like, it, dude, there's no way any of us could have predicted, like, what games are going to fall out or be, be delayed. Like, I probably could have. Like, I knew that some of the picks I made were risky. Mm-hmm. I was willing to take that risk because the upside was so high. But it's, a t- it's probably the toughest year to do a fantasy league. Let's just be honest. Like, there's no way you could tell which studios... We're going to be able to fight through a pandemic in which ones we're not going to be able to fight through a pandemic. There's just no way to know that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think everybody is probably a little nervous about their fantasy teams right now. Um, I had not heard that about Baldur's Gate 3, though. I mean, that's not really news. It's just sort of like people are assuming something. Oh. So there wasn't a report or anything. It's just like people are like, where was it? Like, got you. I mean, it might be true, but who knows? Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I didn't have even looked at my team. I've been so busy to go and look. But I think if Dying Light does come out, I think I have a full team. But I'm not 100 percent sure. I may mm-hmm. still have one hole still at that. Uh, we'll see. It should get exciting as we come down the stretch here. Um, El Guapo 3385. What's your take on news regarding Kojima in the headlines? I've heard rumblings that he's behind that Blue Box Studios. And the new abandoned game is just Silent Hills remade. I apparently have missed all this. Yeah, I don't. I don't know any of that. Yeah, I didn't see any of that. I don't that. care. Like, I'm tired of thinking about Kojima. <laughs> when he makes something, let me know. Well, I think one thing I do remember seeing was that well, before the show, everybody was like, "Oh, he's like allying with Microsoft now," mm-hmm. and that Sony didn't greenlight his new project, and Microsoft did. But then I thought I heard something about him being on Keeley's show. He was at the beginning of Keeley's show. And did he say something about PlayStation or something? Not that I remember. I mean, he he talked about PlayStation because they talked about Death Stranding because he announced Death Stranding director's cut. Yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't remember him saying anything of, of consequence. Okay. Maybe you can clarify, El Guapo, and we'll come back to your question later on here. Um, Vincent, Sifted, thoughts on Plague Tale Requiem? 
I also think it's interesting that it's both next gen only and going to stream on Switch. Somehow there, I didn't see that either actually. Somehow there was both more and less cloud releases for Switch than I expected. Yeah, so those of you who don't know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy also coming to Switch mm-hmm. via streaming, which is a pretty big deal. Um, and now apparently the sequel to Plague Tale is also coming via streaming to Switch. I don't know what's taken them so long to do this. Every big third-party game should do this. I don't. It's like mm-hmm. it's just free money because you're just running the PC version. It's not like it takes extra work. Like that infrastructure set up. Do it. Like, if people are willing to play streaming games on yeah, Switch... Yeah, if you want to do that to yourself, I it. guess go ahead. Like, it's just money on the table. They're leaving on the table. So, yeah, um, I think that more publishers should be doing this. They should have all their big games coming to Switch via streaming. I don't... Why not? It It's hardly any budget involved to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, it's only going to be profit. I still don't agree with it, but... Well, yeah, agree with what? You're buying nothing. Like, if that streaming service goes away eventually, you will no longer have that game on your Switch and you paid the money for it. You do have that to realize. That is not acceptable to No, me. I, I totally get that. But you do have to realize that a lot of people who own Switch are desperate if they only own a Switch because they can't right. play a lot of these awesome well, games. Save, and up I think, the, save up the money you would otherwise spend on cloud game, the cloud games and buy an Xbox and Game Pass. I agree a million percent, but that's a tough ask for a lot of people, so I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, at the very least, like it, you should have the option if you want to throw sixty bucks down the toilet to play a game, like let them. That's the way I see it. Um, not conjecture. Larian said it in an interview. I'm not sure what that's in response to. That's Larian's making Baldur's Gate. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. How are your? Are you? How are you looking? Does it look like you're gonna have a full team? I don't think so. Really? Because one of my uh, one of my alternates. Uh, dropped out. Which one? I can't remember. But one of I think one of my alternates got delayed to next year. It's going to be tight. <laughs> it's going to be close. I think even if I have a full team and you have a game down, I think that it still might be close. Because mm-hmm. the games that you picked I are going to do better and already have done better than the games I picked. Um, Andy T. Monahan. Assuming the next reveal is the last character, who should be the last Smash character? Third party like a Sora, Rayman, or a Nintendo icon like Miyamoto? Or even Sakurai himself, so he can never truly leave this game. I like that. <laughs> hmm. um, oh, man. I could go on and on about who the last Smash character is. It's not going to be the last one. Like It's just going to be yeah, the last one for this more. platform. This, this, yeah, this, or it's going to be the last one for this round. Right. There'll yeah. be more. There'll be more. Um, I could name a million characters that I would love to see in Smash. I could just go on and on. Um, a lot of them we've talked about and thought maybe might be the next one, like Ryu from Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. That makes too much sense, but still waiting. Um, there's there's tons of Street Fighter characters, any tons of characters from fighting games in general. There's tons of characters from pop culture in general. Um, there's just there's so much that they can still add, and I think there will be more added. I don't think that's truly going to be the last character. Um, all right, here's the last one uh, from from Sneaky Shalich Snake. We'll answer two because we love your name. Uh, not gaming, but how's it feeling to be finally back together and being able to actually converse? How's the site going? Also, and your heart. Okay. How, I've talked about how it is to be back. How about for you, Matt? It's good. I mean, it's obviously a better show when we don't have to wait for the lag of the internet. Um, it's uh, been an experience to have to deal with LA traffic again this much this week. Uh, it's a, something I haven't been involved in. We had to parking rem- your had to, car. Had to, had to remember how LA parking <laughs> works. It's, you know, you can't do it on the right this side of the street today because it's Friday and yeah. street sweeping, and that means no one. There's no parking anywhere. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's obviously better than sitting in in I mean in front of a Zoom chat 
hoping that everything doesn't sound terrible. Yeah. But uh, it's it's weird. You know, it's weird that this week and a little bit of last, but sort of like this constant thing of like, oh, I'm like I'm busy doing things outside again. Yeah. And like, not just this, but like it's just like. Uh, I remember that used to be that used to be my life. Like it used to be all the and now I'm just like, oh, I have to do like a thing every day this week. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's that's a lot. And yeah. It's like, is it? Because there was a time when that would have been that's like just that's fine, you know. Yeah. Like, but it's like, yeah, it's a it's a period of adjustment. I think everyone's going through that right now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been crazy. Just walking on the sidewalk without a mask on is weird. Yeah, now. I still don't really do that yet. Yeah, I have I was, been. I mean, I, I'm not paranoid about that stuff. I'm vaccinated, but, but like, I always worry that like someone's gonna be like freaked out by not. Me not having one. So and I living here, of, it's more likely than probably a lot of other yeah, areas. Yeah, I mean, I, I was out yeah. at a bunch of places. I had to get some some shopping done yesterday, and uh, I would say like eighty percent of people are still wearing them. Yeah, especially in the in the stores. Oh, like, in the stores. See, I got the I got the Grove. You saw people like with them off in the in the outdoor area. But as soon as mm-hmm. they went into a store, they'd put them. Yeah. They'd put them on. Yeah, like, was, and, and without, just habit. And, and, and no one, yeah, well, no one's sitting there demanding it. No one's asking them. It's like everybody just does it. You know, we're, we're yeah. just sort of. We're sort of used to it now, yeah. and eventually, you know, and like you saw people more freely sort of pulling it down and take drinks of water in the stores, or like to like try things on, or like you know, you know, like see how they looked without the mask on with the new clothes on, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. you saw a little more freedom in terms of people being willing to pull it down for a second to do what they needed to do. Yeah, but uh, it's still there, it's still happening. Yep. People have not just abandoned it because you know. Look, what happened here in California is basically like Cal OSHA is still upholding the ma- mask thing. Yeah, it like, is. Yeah. Like, as, you call me when they drop it and not the guy who just doesn't want to be recalled by a bunch of dipshits. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, like, how is it? To, it's great to have Matt back. It's just great to see him face to face because he's just a good friend of mine and we've seen each other like twice mm-hmm. in person. Like, I think I came over and like dropped off something, a check yeah, or something. You dropped at the your check house off at one point. And, I think you, you, and you picked up like. Uh, Something. Some equipment that was still in my garage yeah. at one point. And that's like the only time that I've seen Matt since mm-hmm. this all started. So just on a personal level as a friend, it's just great to be around him. Um, from a production perspective, uh, just the audio, he sounds so much better now because he's talking through a great mic. He's not coming through the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do yeah, my this. My mic is actually really good at home. It's just yeah. it doesn't survive Well, the it goes internet. through the internet. Yeah, it gets compressed. I can do this now. Like I can put your mm-hmm. questions up on the show like we couldn't do this before because this pc was used for zoom when matt would call in Mm -hmm. so we couldn't put your questions up on the screen like we used to there's just so many things um i will say this we are having audio issues with the show i've been working on it i worked on it i've been working on it for like two months i'll be honest with you i think i finally figured out what's wrong with it and the solution's gonna be expensive but we're probably gonna do it anyway for those of you who've been complaining like a lot of times if you watch the show live it sounds fine but when you listen to the archive, like the the show open, the the music will get a little distorted, and then sometimes if you're listening on headphones to the show, you can hear like a pop every once in a mm. while. I've been cognizant of this for a while. As it turns out, there's something wrong with the TriCaster rendering H.264 files, and everybody who has a TriCaster is dealing with it right now. I just figured this out like yesterday. So I just want you to know if, if uh, the audio in the show has really been bothering you. One, it's better now because Matt is on a good mic. Um, but two, it's a problem that everyone as a TriCaster is experiencing right now. And I'm working on it to get it fixed. And I apologize if it really drives you crazy. A lot of people don't even hear it if they just listen to it on their computer screens. But if you listen to it with headphones on, you can absolutely hear it. So just want you guys to know that I'm aware of it. We're working on it. We're going to get it fixed. And it should be fixed really soon. Um, was that it? Was that all the questions he asked? Mm-hmm. Yep. And your heart. Yeah, all my heart. 
Oh yeah. So I'm doing oh, yeah, good. That. What? Oh yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. My my near death experience from earlier in the year. I'm doing good. I have changed my diet, but so I've changed my diet to eat a lot less cholesterol. Um, I've taken like these crazy vitamins. I'm taking fish oil and krill oil pills every day. Um, I have not had my checkup yet for them to check kind of my levels to see how that's been helping so far. But I have not had an episode, which was what I was going through for a while there in a long time, um, which is good. The other part of it, too, is that I have spent so much money out of pocket from all that Mm -hmm. that now I am getting other stuff done. So I have needed knee surgery for a couple years now. I hurt my knee. Oh, because you've hit your your cap. I still haven't hit it, but I'm going to hit it. Yeah, you're going to get there. Yep. So I hurt my knee playing hockey a couple years ago, and I've been unable to exercise ever since. When I exercise, my knee swells up, and I limp for a couple days. So uh, you probably have noticed over the last year and a half, Old Shane's been putting on a few. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the svelte guy that I was when all this started. And that's yeah, been... you go back to those first few episodes, and it's like it's like you were like in really good good shape at the time. I mean, you were because you would had time off, and yeah, and like it's just what you were doing at the time. Yeah. Um, well, of the, over the last like year and a half, I put on weight, and that's because I can't exercise. Well, so say we all. Yeah. So. Well, this is legitimately why I've put on weight. I have not exercised in like a year and a half or two years. So I am having knee surgery, and I had my first appointment yesterday morning. Um, in fact, I got some x-rays that show the hardware that is already in my knee mm-hmm. from when I had my ACL reconstructed. I may post that on Twitter like later today or something so you guys can see it. I already have like three screws in my knee and a, and a cadaver's ACL. <laughs> and I'm going back. So now uh, I have a torn meniscus. Dead man's knee. The Arr. same knee is going to be operated on again. I have a torn meniscus in the same knee. So um, there's going to be a period later on in the year where I'm probably down and out for a little bit. But I got to do it. Like I can't just go the rest of my life without exercising. So that's my health situation right now. The heart is okay. I went and did stress tests and there, there are problems. Um, but they said that they're just going to monitor it. I'm supposed to go back at the end of the year for another checkup. Um, after I've done all these things that they asked me to do so they can see if it's actually helping and working. But they're as of gonna, right, They're not going to patch it? No. As of right now, they're not. So mm-hmm. that was one of the options. I have a hole in my heart. And one of the options was to go in and place a mesh over the hole. And then the crazy part, Matt, is that the heart will grow yep. over the mesh. That mm-hmm. freaks me out a little bit. Um, but they're waiting until I go back at the end of the it's year. Basically, stem cells. It's, it's, a, it's, it's super freaky. tech. It's crazy. And they, you know, they wouldn't cut you open for that. I know. They just, I know. They, stick they a, just go in with like a camera a, and they stick a tube up the up your, your femoral artery and go all the way up up into it's, it's, it's amazing. It's freaky. So anyway, I go back. At Science. The, it's nuts. I go back at the end of the year, and they're going to do a checkup. And if I'm okay, they are not going to do that. If I'm having problems, they are going to go and insert a mesh in my heart. So. As of right now, I'm good, man. Like, I feel good. I'm sleeping good. Um, I got good energy. I Yeah, I can't really complain. So uh, thanks again for you guys being so understanding when I was going through all that. It was literally a nightmare. Um, it was petrifying, to be perfectly honest with you. I was scared. I thought I was going to die. So um, it's all worked out okay. I'm feeling better. Um, and I made it through another E3 somehow, some way. Thanks to people like Matt and Vincent, who was busting his ass on the site, curating uh, pretty happy with how our E3 turned out. I hope you guys feel the same way. Um, it was It's always fun making content for you guys. Um, and it seems like you guys liked it and you appreciated it. It was great to see all you guys on the stream um, every single time. And a bunch of you guys on today for us to wrap it all up. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see you guys on Tuesday, which is only just a few days away, honestly, um, at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, we, let's see. 
probably won't have a show the week after that. Mm-mm. I may try to find a guest host. Matt's definitely going to be out. And I am probably going to be out, too. I'm probably going to take a week off. Um, Vincent's actually taking some vacation, finally, beginning tomorrow. And he's going to take some time off. He's not going to be on the site. Hmm. He can be on the site having fun. He can't be on the site working. I'm demanding it. Um, so he's taking this next week off. Um, and then once he gets back, I'm going to take a week off. So week after next, we will not have a game face, most likely, unless something happens with my trip and I can't go. Because I will say this, airline tickets are insane. Hmm. Not only airline tickets, rental cars are oh, insane. Yeah. Rental cars are all gone. Because they sold all their rental cars during yep. the pandemic, and now everybody wants rental cars and they don't have them. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this bizarre, like thing where all cars right now are like i think it's like five or six hundred bucks for a week yep for like a compact like the crappiest it is absurd flights right now like one ways back to the east coast are like a thousand dollars one way Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that i come across some little deal and i maybe i have to have two connections to make it happen or whatever i need to go home i need to see my family uh, and they need to see me they've missed me and i've missed them it's been almost two years since Mm -hmm. i've seen anyone in my family it's tough um, but you know what? I get to see my other family all the time on Sifted, and that has definitely helped me get through this. Um, so anyway, final reminder that today is the last day to get our shirts at a discount, 40% off, midnight tonight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. The sale's coming down. They're going back to full price. Head on over there. We should still have all sizes left, no matter what size you are. Uh, both the black and the white new shirts are available there. Um, a bunch of people have bought them already. <clears throat> excuse me thank you very much for doing that i appreciate it um but there's still a bunch left and uh, head on over there and get them so um if you want to find me on twitter i'm at dinfire you want to find matt he's at m kyle you want to find sifted he's that's at sifted games we'll see you next tuesday game face is up and out